2: What's up, guys? My take radio episode 211 for Thursday, January 16th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call in number 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347 That's 347 mtr Alright, so seems everything is working. All cylinders are a go. Got good audio from SunCast. video looks on point. Everything seems to be running very smoothly, and um, we got a couple of announcements and housekeeping to get out of the way. Uh, First and foremost, if you guys have been checking out our Facebook fan page, you will have noticed that we actually now have officially made it onto the Windows Marketplace. So, If you use a Windows mobile device or a Surface tablet or Windows 8, you can get the official MTR app. It's $1.99. All the details are on our Facebook fan page. Make sure to check that out. Excuse me. Also, got to let you guys know, we are starting to work on MTR 5.0, which um, it's going to start using a responsive background, which is going to be able to make the site more accessible on mobile devices, including but not limited to uh, tablets, mobile devices, things of that nature. We're going to try and get it as fully responsible as po- uh, excuse me, responsive as possible, so that way, if you go on it on your desktop, your tablet, and your mobile device, the experience will be completely seamless across the board. Hopefully that will not only allow you guys to check out our content from all your devices, but it's also going to give you uh, the opportunity to check out some of the other stuff that we are working on on the site. Now, the preliminary designs are in play, and right now it's January 16th, I'm hoping we can have it launched within the next month or two, maybe shooting into uh, late February tops, depending on how it goes. But we're going to be doing a fresh coat of paint for that. We're also going to be doing some stuff on the mobile side of things, and that's going to be a bigger project. Uh, We're going to redo our YouTube channel. Monsters messing me up today. Uh, We're going to do our YouTube channel. We're also going to be doing some stuff with our friends at GFQ. Uh, I've been speaking with um, Andrew about some stuff that we're going to be doing, uh, getting some things cleaned up, getting some better lighting set up. Right now, the lighting we got is good, but we're going to make more improvements on that in the coming weeks, so be on the lookout for that. Last but not least, uh, put a post on our Facebook fan page, and once again, I'll let you guys know on air, we are looking for writers for the site, Um, always looking for writers for the site. And while we do accept guest posts on a consistent basis, we would like to uh, bring some new additions to the MTR family. Of course, we are looking for writers that are familiar with WordPress and Windows Live Writer. If not, we can always teach you. Also, uh, mostly on the wrestling side and tech side of things, and also somebody who's into some into comics. Uh, we want to try and get our focus on that. And a little bit on more of the tech stuff as well, just because there's so many devices coming out and we're going to be doing more product reviews. So we want to try and get that set up as well. So if you are interested, drop me an email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or hit us up on the message uh, section of our Facebook fan page. And of course, we're going to ask for samples of your work and we'll do a probationary period as usual. And hopefully we can get some some new some new blood involved just to try and get a couple of other people to showcase their work. I mean, uh, the team we got now is just a great group of individuals that put in a lot of work. But we, the the amount of stuff we're getting and the amount of content we're trying to churn out. Um, there's only so many things we can all do uh, between work and the real world. So um, if you're interested, drop me a line, host at mytakeradio.com. Or by all means, feel free to use the message tab on our Facebook fan page. All right. So... Tonight, we're going to be talking about UFC Fight Night, The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Ben's going to be joining us to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to be talking about Raw in detail. We're also going to get into the MPD numbers for the month of December. And, of course, we got your entertainment news for this week. So, as always, if you want to chime in on any of our segments, make sure to hit up our call-in number, 347-324-3541. Lastly, you can listen to the show live right now by going to mtrlive.com, gfqlive.tv, or you can also listen by using our dial-in number and not hitting option one. You can listen that way as well. Anyway, so before we get into this week's MMA news, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, net neutrality and what's been going on the last couple of weeks. Um, A lot of people have been talking about net neutrality because we've been... I've been watching it very closely about legislation where pretty much the government is going to have was trying to prevent uh, cable providers from having say from any having any say in what type of, um you know, what type of services are going to be allowed to use uh, higher capacity Internet. In other words, it's going to give the um, it's going to give people the well, it's going to give cable providers the opportunity to say, oh, if Netflix is using uh, the bulk of our bandwidth, we're going to be able to kind of control that a little bit. It's going to definitely make a, a big dent in the way people consume Internet content. Uh, the government was really trying to put a stop to that. Uh, I see our friend uh, Philosophy is in there. I haven't seen him in a while. Welcome to the chat, good sir. Um, anyway, as I was saying, the net neutrality thing is just very, very very crazy right now, especially with how this is going to impact the way we consume content. Obviously it got, it got shot down immediately and people are very nervous about what's going to happen. You know, a lot of carriers, uh, time Warner Verizon that slick just mentioned are all involved trying to ensure that um, they have a say in how our bandwidth is used. I personally feel that like any service, as long as you're not doing anything illegal, you should be able to consume content the way you want. In other words, if you want to sit at home and you're paying for internet and you want to watch 40 hours of Netflix a week, um you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be crazy, you know, that the cable provider or your internet provider can scale back or say, "Hey, you know, you're using too much bandwidth on this." As far as I'm concerned, if you're paying for the service and you're not doing anything illegal, You should be able to consume it the way you choose. That's one of the things, I mean, right now, depending on what internet tier you have, your upload and download speed is going to vary. I mean, I know uh, from myself, I had a very high download speed for quite some time. And um, I'm looking probably to increase upload speed since we're going to be doing more video. And that's going to allow to, it's going to give us the opportunity to give you guys just unfiltered uh, non-stuttering video, and that's one of those things that's important to me. But imagine if a provider said, "Hey, you know, you guys are using too much upload bandwidth." Excuse me, and you had to really break down what you're what you're using it for. It's 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 a very very strange strange time right now, and I'm gonna be watching it closely. I'm sure, like anything else, it's gonna change, but it's something I've been watching with much with much interest, uh, much like the T-Mobile and Sprint merger, which I've been watching as well. Cause there's a lot of stuff that could come out of that, which can impact, uh, just my mobile coverage. And on, on the tech side of things, it gets a little crazy, but it's something we've been, uh, me personally, I've been following very closely this week. Anyway, nothing else of, of, of note has happened this week. Nothing crazy. I didn't burn down any stores. I didn't have to threaten anybody. Um, everything was pretty much business as usual this week. I do I do want to mention that this week is the Apex Series. Uh, you can get all the details on our Facebook fan page, and we'll make sure to post that up tonight. That's going to be going on from Friday through Sunday. Um, it is our intention to be there on Saturday to cover the event. Uh, as of right now, I know that uh, Jonathan Lugo, uh, the, the head of Apex, should be calling in. As far as I know, we have a tentative arrangement for him to call in this evening and let you guys know. More details about the event. If he does, then of course we will bring him on. Otherwise, make sure to check out our Facebook fan page for that. And if we do make it out to the event this weekend, keep an eye out for our coverage as well. All right, so let's get into this week's MMA news because there is a lot to discuss. And I know Ben is queued up and ready to rock and roll. So let's get to it. Hey, Ben, what's up?
0: What's up, man?
2: Welcome back. I know you were you were bummed that you couldn't get on here last week. We got tons of stuff to discuss. Uh, of course, we had UFC Fight Night yesterday. We had The Ultimate Fighter. We got Dana White running off at the mouth, GSP running off at the mouth. It's just chaos. Um, you know, it is what it is, but uh, welcome back.
1: What's up? Um, I, I,
2: I got to say... Nah,
1: huh? I said there's been some pretty big stuff going on since the last time I was on here.
2: Well, obviously the big one, UFC Fight Pass, and of course WWE Network. But I want to touch a little bit on UFC Fight Night because this card, it didn't have a lot of promotion going into it, but it delivered on all cylinders. A lot of guys, a lot of guys got their got their bones broken and and beat down last night. It was it was definitely serious business. Um Oh, hold on a second. These guys are telling me they can't hear you on GFQ. Hold on a second. All right, let's try that again. Go ahead, Ben.
1: All right, can you hear me?
2: Can you guys hear Ben in there? Go ahead, Ben. Keep talking.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, it was a really good fight card. Um, I was actually surprised at how good it was because of how little it was actually promoted, but it it was actually a pretty good fight card from top bottom. I gotta I
2: gotta talk about and and I was I it's it, it was a crazy performance. Cole Miller, Sam Cecilia. What'd you think?
1: Uh, Cole Miller looked good, but I kinda figured he would beat Sam Cecilia considering Sam Cecilia is really one dimensional. But uh, Cole Miller looked good in the fight. Um he did what he's supposed to do um i know he wants to fight conor mcgregor next uh i don't have any idea when conor mcgregor will be healthy again but uh i I watched that fight
2: everybody wants to fight conor mcgregor he's one of those guys that his mouth has written him so many checks that his ass can't cash that everybody wants to beat his ass everybody
1: (laughs) yeah i mean diego sanchez wants to fight him at welterweight is too much going on (laughs) Yeah, I was, I
2: was, I was very impressed, and you know Dana White was super amped on Twitter. Oh yeah, fucking Cole Miller. I'm like, all right, dude, calm down. He was saying he wants to fight um, Donald Cerrone, though. That's that. That's a different. That's a different call out right there.
1: He would get hurt by Donald Cerrone. Yeah, um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> He'd get really, really hurt by Donald Cerrone. I don't. I don't think that would be. I, I think he should stick to trying to fight uh, Conor McGregor. <laughs> like, the, like 'cause like, cause I heard Donald Cerrone wants to move down to 145, which is fine. But, uh, I, I still think he would hurt him badly. So, well, you know, what,
2: what was funny about that? It's like, these guys are starting to get more comfortable calling people out. It's becoming more, you know, and more interviewers are even go- using it as, as just a great way to move the interviews along. Like, you know, they'll come out. I want to thank God, my mom, my dog, my, my trainers. And then it's like, who do you want to fight next? And then it's just like, Boom. And the, and you know it kind of gets people buzzing. I mean, when he dropped Donald Cerrone's name, I was like, "Damn, dude, that's 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 a bit that's a bit up up the card for you. You might you might really get hurt." So Yeah, I mean, I respect uh, him for it though. Uh, I respect if, him.
1: Yeah, if it if actually happened, I, I would I would watch it, but um yeah, I think he would get hurt. So
2: Well, let's uh let's get into John Moraga and Dustin Ortiz. A lot of people felt that Moraga kind of got robbed in this fight. I don't know. I mean, I kind of scored it. Uh Moraga definitely looking good in the second round and um uh-huh. I kind of I kind of was split on giving it to Ortiz or Moraga in the third.
1: Um I kind of I kind of felt like
2: um I mean Ortiz got robbed, sorry.
1: Huh?
2: No, I was saying I, Ortiz getting robbed, not Moraga. My fault.
1: I mean I don't think he got robbed. I mean it was it was a close third round. Um I I I scored the fight basically for Moraga. I think I thought he did a little bit more. But um you know, it it's um it was a good fight. Um like like you know, every other uh flyweight fight that they had on there. It was a really good fight and um I I I just I felt Moraga just did a little bit more. Not a whole lot more, but just enough to win.
2: You think he coasted?
1: Um, I don't think he necessarily coasted, I think, um...
2: Or played it safe? I think,
1: yeah, something like that.
2: I think, I think the funny thing was that Ortiz, Ortiz was using, um, some really, really good striking. He was working those short elbows. He was, um, you know, Moraga was even trying to work the rubber guard in, but Ortiz was, or, you know, the round ended with Ortiz in close guard, and it was, it, you know, like he had a lot of dominant positions in that fight. I mean, definitely him getting caught in the choke, almost getting caught in the choke in the second kind of, I think, turned it in Moraga's favor. But Ortiz definitely looked like he was trying to go in there. He, It was like he knew that he was down on, on round, you know, on the third round when he came out, he knew he was down and he was trying to finish, but he couldn't do it. I mean, Moraga definitely setting up the guillotine in the final seconds, you know it was a it was a nice way to kind of close it out, and I think that helped him in the eyes of the judges,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, just that little that little bit extra you know setting up that guillotine and everything just that little bit extra really really helps him, and I think it's what pulled him ahead in the fight,
2: well, let's talk about Derek Brunson, Derek Brunson, we all, every time we talk about him, we know a guy comes out there he's always ready to fight, he looked really good in that fight up until, you know, Joel Romero just dialed it in and just landed a nasty barrage of elbows to the body. It almost looked like the ref took too long to stop it because he was putting it on him.
1: I think the ref could have stopped that like 20 seconds earlier. That was... He took a lot of unnecessary damage. Yep. Um, in uh, the final about 30, 40 seconds of that fight. Um... J.R. looked good. Um, Yo Romero um, is a freaky athlete, man. That That is a dude, that is a freak athlete. Um, for him to, you know, be a silver medalist in the Olympics, already have picked up a striking game as well as he has, yep. and have the power that he already has in it, um, that's a freaky athlete. Um, I don't know if he beats, you know, some higher-level guys in the division, but he, he always has a chance of that kind of power.
2: Who would you match him up against?
1: Because um, middleweight is stacked, I mean, dude. There's, there's, there's a lot of people winning fights at middleweight. Um, I don't know. Um, Maybe a uh, Liotto Machida, maybe. Um,
2: Machida or Romero somebody, will be okay, a nice fight.
1: Give,
2: oh, no, I said it would be a nice fight. That would be a good fight.
1: Yeah, like so, somebody somebody in the higher level now, because he's got three straight brutal knockouts. Like, you got to give him somebody in the higher level now.
2: Absolutely. I, I liked his performance overall. He just he he was he was beasting in there, and you know it's crazy. It's like Derek Brunson had to go in the hospital because he had like a broken jaw from that. Like that's how crazy that, that that's how crazy those elbows were. Because there were elbows connecting to his chest. There were elbows connecting to to his chin. There were there were elbow. It was raining elbows everywhere. I was like, holy cow, you know this guy's done. Like somebody get in there and stop the fight.
1: Yeah, like he got kind of uncomfortable. Like. <laughs> Like yeah, it, it, the ref was like fight back, fight back. Like, dude, he didn't hit. Like, there's no <laughs> dude, he's back. not fighting back. The fight's over.
2: He's using so. he's using the turtle discipline right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: like the fight's over. Like, go ahead and go out the fight because he's not fighting back. <laughs> I was
2: I was bummed to see Mike Easton lose his fight just because I, I like that dude, man. He brings so much energy to the cage. You know, T.J. Right. Dillashaw a Dana White guy, so you know it is what it is. But Mike Easton looked looked bananas as usual, but. Dillashaw definitely was the better fighter that night.
1: Yeah, TJ Dillashaw looked good. Um, re- really good. Um, Bang Lugwig, uh, training with that gym has done a lot for their striking. Yep. I think his striking is too sloppy to fight anyone at the higher level of 135, because I think if he goes up against Michael McDonald, he get clipped and go to sleep. <laughs> uh, for, there's a lot of fighters that if they touch his chin, he'd go to sleep because of the way he fights, but he looked really good against Mike Neeson. Mike Neeson did a really good job even staying in that fight because yep. most fighters would have been done. Yep. Um, he he got hit with a lot of really hard strikes. and um, Hopefully Mike Neeson doesn't get cut. I think this is the second loss in a row. Hopefully he doesn't get cut and because um, I, I think he's a really good uh, answerweight. But uh, T.J. Dillashaw looked really, really good.
2: Yeah, he was he was super aggressive, and again another Dana White guy. You know how Dana White is he he gets on the bandwagon with certain dudes. So you know Dillashaw definitely lo- looks like he's going to get a better fight in the near future.
1: Yeah, um, hopefully he gets somebody higher level, and we'll we'll see how he uh, does
2: against them. Well, Lorenz Larkin and Brad Tavares, I looked at that pretty much as a fight for your job fight, and Brad Tavares definitely had that motivation behind him to really put on a solid performance. Um, it was weird, though, because it's like Lorenz Larkin, he, he, it depends, he, it depends which Lorenz Larkin shows up for fights, because Tavares pretty much looked very dominant each round. It was weird that, you know, people, people were expecting Larkin to come in and run through Tavares. Tavares isn't a, he's not a scrub, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised by Lorenz Larkin's performance. I thought he would be a little bit more aggressive. Um... He, he didn't look horrible or anything like that, but he, no. he just seemed really passive yep, um, and not very aggressive because when, when he does his best, it's when he's aggressive Absolutely. Um, and dictating the pace of the fight. Um, so I was a bit disappointed in that, but outside of that, I mean, um, Brad Frost was good. Uh, he did what he was supposed to do in, in one fight.
2: Well, of course, the big one, Costas Philippou, Luke Rockhold, did you expect it to go the way it went?
1: I didn't... I thought Luke Rocco would win because I thought he was a better overall fighter. Uh, but... I did not expect him to win by first-round liver kick. Um <laughs> little boss that, rooting that action. Was brutal.
2: Hm? A little boss rooting action.
1: Yeah, that was absolutely brutal. Uh, and... Um, Costa-Fillipo didn't seem like he knew what to do when he was getting kicked in the body. Um, nope. Because <laughs> he got kicked with that same kick maybe three or four times. Yep, but really, wore it down. Like... Really, really hurt him. He just seemed like, oh, this is not gonna hurt. And then the last one landed, and he was done. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that Luke Rocko won, but I was surprised at you know the way he
2: won. Yeah, I think you know what it was. I think that in in Costa's case, it's like anything else. Think about it. You train. You 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 figure. Oh, you know, I, I work on getting uh, hit in the abdomen. You know, you do you do punches to the stomach. You do drills. You you can take some punches. You can take some decent damage. The occasional knee, but it's it's different because Rock holds kicks. He throws them from such an angle where it's pretty much the, the the top part of his foot is hitting flush against the body. Like it's not like dudes hitting you with the side of the foot, it, or, or 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 guys using a side kick. He's using the flat part of his foot and just connecting with your side every time. And it's a it's a it's really nice technique when he does it.
1: Yeah, it's really good technique. Um, and. He landed it perfectly. Like that was the perfect way to land that shot. It landed, and he even followed up with a soccer kick to the body on the ground, which I think more dudes should use. But for some reason, people don't. But, I think uh, people get scared you know, because he, of he the. He won the fight by brutal, brutal savage. Really.
2: Well, you know what it is. I think with with, with what you were saying with, with with strikes to downed opponents, you know, people get really scared because you know it's always it's always a a, a catch twenty two with with the whole downed opponent striking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's always you know three point stance. All oh, the guys all the way down don't hit him. So it, it, I think a lot of guys get very nervous. But it's true you do want to use the kick to the body if you can, especially when he's down in three point stance.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it, it it did a lot of damage, and I mean it helped in the fight. So, um, he he did good in the fight. I was. I, I wasn't super impressed by him because I, I thought he was going to win, but he, he looked good overall.
2: How do you feel about him calling for a rematch with Vitor?
1: He's not getting a rematch with <laughs> Vitor anytime soon. Um, I mean, I, I think he has somewhat of a legitimate point because I think part of his loss was it's his it was his first fight in the UFC and kind of jitters, and he seemed like hyper-amped up during the fight. Right. Um, okay. So, I... I I would actually probably um, favor him if they fought again. I mean, you know what I feel about Vitor or Super Vitor <laughs> or Super Juiced Up Vitor. <laughs> um, I think he'd probably beat him again, but uh, beat him if they fought again, but I don't think he'd get that fight anytime soon. Vitor's about to fight for a title. He's got to work his way back up to Vitor.
2: Well, of course, he, he, he threw in the, the guy who everybody wants to fight, which is Mike, Michael Bisping. Um I think, I think the Bisping fight would be good. I think Bisping would, do, would go out of his way to sell that fight because, I don't know, I don't think Rockhold has mastered the art of selling fights. You know, Bisping's like, yo, you know, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the uncrowned Strikeforce champion. Like he, you know, the, the level of shit-talking he does to get things like that over work for him. I think Bisping would have to do yeah. the bulk of the lifting for that fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Bisping would lose, but yeah, I mean, you think Bisping Bis would Bing lose would in that fight? To fight? Huh? You think he would lose? Yeah, I think Bisping would lose to Luke Rockhold. Like Bisping's uh, mm-hmm. a good fighter or anything, but I, I don't think he's upper echelon. I mean, he's he's. I think Luke Rockhold is better than him everywhere. Uh, okay, really. Outside of the, like the cardio kickboxing style that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Michael Bisping does, like, I don't think that would work against Luke Rockhold. I think Luke Rockhold would either beat him up on the feet or be able to take him down and beat him up. Because Luke, I mean, people forget, Luke Rockhold is like a really, really high-level jiu-jitsu player. Like, yep. he doesn't really show it that He doesn't often, use it, nope. But he's really, really high-level.
2: No, it was, it was definitely, it, you know, Rockhold, the problem is that I think a lot of people kind of overlook him because, you know, he's like the the surfer dude, kind of like, all oh, the last of the Strike Force guys. Nobody really puts a lot of a, a lot of stock into him but the guy comes out there and you know he gets over he's he's starting to get over the jitters i think he he's going to be a solid player at middleweight the problem is that middleweight and welterweight right now are so stacked with guys that you're going to you're going to some of these guys are going to get lost in the shuffle like like if he wouldn't have called out bisping i honestly forgot that bisping was still fighting cuz he got injured and you haven't heard nothing about him in ages i haven't even seen him do any you know any analysis on any card. So that's how that's how you know that that there's a lot of guys in a division when a guy who's so well-known, you don't even know if he has a job or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, this thing is going to be up for a fight. So, so I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they made that fight, to be honest with you.
2: They should. I think that would be a um, good fight for Bisping to come back to. It kind of get him in, up in the spotlight a little bit. And I think Bisping is a guy that Dana White wants to succeed because of that expansion into the U.K., you know?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, Bisping finds some way to lose whenever he gets into the title. Yep.
2: <laughs> he, he chokes, man, he for title some fights. finds
1: way to lose, so I don't know. Um, I would be interested to see how that fight went, but I, I, I'm fairly certain that uh, Luke Rocko will be able to win.
2: Fair enough. All right, well, of course, the 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 fight card was the, the bell opener, so to speak, for um this season's Ultimate Fighter, which, a couple of things. I was pleasantly surprised at the production for this season. I was also surprised by the fact that, I don't want to say that the coaches are unknown guys, but I just feel like they said, all right, who's the only Australian guy that we got? You know? Like, it kind of feels that way. Like They were like, all right, we got to do something different. I was, I was not only surprised, like I said, by the production, but I was also pleasantly surprised by the level of skill that these guys have coming in there. Not to say that they were sloppy, they just looked... That these guys all look like hitters in the house this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was surprised a little bit by that too. Um, I'll be interested to see how many people care about this season. Yep, because Patrick Cote and uh, Kyle Noke. Uh, yeah, him. I forgot <laughs> his name. <laughs> yeah, like that, Those those two are your coaches. Like nobody cares really about Kyle Noke. Or Patrick Cote, so I'll be I'll be really interested to see what the actual ratings are for this season, just to see if people actually care. Well, um, outside of that, the fighters look good. Um, we'll see if these guys—I mean, if is they look good because they're on the Ultimate Fighter against guys who are the same skill level of them, or they get you know once they get into the um, UFC, they actually really are good. Um, but they they do look good at the moment.
2: Well, here's here's something that I that I, I kind of noticed as well, and that's the fact that these guys they are either well versed, have been fighting for a while, and a lot of TriStar guys, a lot of guys out of GSP's gym. And the thing that gets me with that is that obviously TriStar is going to put out good fighters, but it makes me wonder. It's like it's like are there no other gyms in Canada? Because it seems that TriStar kind of has the monopoly on the training on the training camps, but it, it it's weird because all right you got tri star guys in there but when you look at the coaches you don't really you don't think of them as coaches you just think of them as guys that are also competing like you know i was watching it and my wife goes who's the coach for australia i'm like oh kyle noke i'm like he's been fighting for a while she's like who you know but just because not to be not to be an asshole but it's just like that's a guy he came out of strike force he he uh, he's he's kind of a journeyman. It almost feels like it's a journeyman coach season, you know?
0: Yeah, I
1: mean, Patrick Cote just got back into the UFC and kind of looked horrible in his last fight. So I mean, it's it's just really interesting that these are the guys you chose. And honestly, I don't think they could have chose anybody else. It's the same thing with they're doing with uh UFC China with a uh, uh, Lee, Lee and uh, I don't even remember the other coach on that one. So. Um, it it's kind of like with these international seasons, they have no choice but to do this. Unfortunately, well,
2: I'm a little bu- I'm a little bummed and a little confused, and and maybe you'll agree with this. But you mm-hmm. give the Ultimate Fighter seasons on Fox Sports One, but yet if you want to watch uh, Chael and Vanderlay, you got to use the UFC Fight Pass to watch that that Ultimate mm-hmm. Fighter. Like, why would you do that when you know that that's the season that people are going to want to watch? Like, Dana White was, when he was on doing the, the post-fight interviews, they were like, oh, how's that season going? He's like, Chael's being Chael, Vandal is being Vandal. And he was like, dude, it is a crazy scene down there. Like, the dudes on Chael's team are scared down there.
1: Actually, I, I, I did not realize I was on USU Fight Pass until just now. So, I mean, I, I, I got the uh, free...
2: Yeah, the free two months of
1: UFC Fight Pass. Um, I will say that it's always an interesting service to see what they're going to do with it. The functionality of it right now
2: is, is dog uh, shit.
1: kind of bad. Yep, <laughs> and also the whole oh we have all the fights from Affliction. They no, they don't. They they don't. Um, they have like three, like they <laughs> and it, it. It's not. It's not what they promised. So. We'll see if once it becomes paying, um, maybe they'll add these fights. And the only reason they're doing it now is because it's free, which would also be stupid since you promised that you were going to do the entire service now. But um, as far as that goes, I think it's also that stupid. Like, yep. Cheryl Sun in, in America is a name. Yeah. Silver in America, for the people who care about the Ultimate fighter, is a name.
2: Absolutely. You should
1: have done their season in America because – Nobody cares about Kyle Nolko nope or Patrick Cote. Like, I don't care about either one. Like, I don't care about the coaches fighting. Thank
2: God. Like, that's, that's part the, of
1: it. Whenever the season finale happens, I might watch all of it up to the coaches deciding Because I don't care about them. So, I don't know. It, um it, it, It's interesting to see how, what they chose to uh, put in America, on, on America TV.
2: Well, the thing that I was watching is, you know, the after after the, the, the show ended and they showed a preview of the season, the season looks like there's going to be a lot of hardcore shit happening. I mean, people have, people have been saying that that have allegedly seen parts of the season that the season's going to have some really great fights and a lot of good moments, but I think it's just the fact that the Ultimate Fighter can only be successful when you have names involved. No disrespect to Kote or, or or Kyle Noak, but think about it. You say Ronda Rousey Amisha Tate. You say John Jones and, and you know, Anderson Silva or Anderson Silva and GSP. When you drop those names, you know that people are going to be like, damn, what's going to happen? Not only that, but you're also, you got to capitalize on the fact that Vanderlei and Chael fucking hate each other. Like, I guarantee you that during that season, there's going to be at least three or four instances where they got to pull those guys away from each other.
1: Yeah. Like I would, I would love to see that on, you know, regular TV just to see yep. just to see what everybody's reaction would be to it. But we'll we'll see what they they plan on doing with this um, fight pass and and what the, they're doing with the Ultimate Fighter. I I don't know. Like you, the UFC has some plan. We'll see where where it goes.
2: I'm a little I'm a little bummed with the fight pass because you know I, I've been I've been checking it out. I watched the the first card they gave on it the UFC Singapore and I'm like all right but you can see that that's going to require that 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 entire app requires a lot of polish because it's like WWE launched their app and people were just like holy shit you know like that's crazy like you would have thought that the UFC having a head start having a shitload of money would have really worked on it and kind of streamlined it a little better like honestly like, the UFC Fight Pass should have launched the way the WWE Network did. Like, you should be able to turn on your Xbox and your PlayStation 3 and your PS4. Like, the UFC app is there, but it just feels outdated. Like, when the UFC launched on Xbox Live and I did the video walkthroughs and I watched some pay-per-views on it, it looked really good. It looked it showed a lot of promise. But now when you look at it compared to other services that have evolved so much, like Netflix. Like, you look at Netflix on your Xbox or on your PlayStation Four, and the interface is 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 nicer. It's more it's more complex. It looks better in HD. Then you look at the UFC's uh, presentation, and you're like, "Damn, you guys, you guys could have done better." I would have rather they would have held off launching it a month or two and get it right. You know?
1: Yeah, I agree with you with that. Like, I, I think they should have waited a little bit to to launch it. I, I feel like I, I don't know why they rushed it, but I feel like it was really really rushed. Like I. Yep. I'm not entirely sure what the, the, the reasoning behind the rushing is because you know you heard about it and then you heard, oh yeah, and now it's free for like three months. Like I, you could have waited. And like, they cannibalized there was no Fox. No reason to rush it out. Like nobody, nobody was like knocking down the door for no. this. Um Not at all. So. And so they, I, I don't, I don't know. Like they should have, they should have waited and, and fixed all the stuff that's wrong with it first.
2: Well, they also are cannibalizing Fox Sports One because it's like, think about it. Fox launched this network, and one of the one of the backbones of the network was the UFC. And it's like, oh yeah, those prelims they're going to be on the UFC Fight Pass. And it's like, but why? It wasn't the whole point of you launching on the launching this network is to make MMA the backbone of this network. So why are you stripping away content? Like, why would I want to yeah, go on Fox I mean, Sports One when I could just watch the prelims on my, uh, you know, on my tablet or on my phone or whatever? Why would I want to turn on my TV at that point and give them ratings? You know.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and the whole there's a couple. There's I don't know how many cars they they plan on doing completely on the uh, yep the fight pass, but th- there's that too. So I, I don't know. They they <laughs> I, I'm sure they've talked to Fox about it, and Fox is obviously fine with this. But I'd be interested. To, I'm interested to see what happens with all this.
2: Well, don't get me wrong. That UFC Singapore card, dude. That shit was like six in the morning. Okay, that I can understand.
0: Yeah.
2: But you know, you're when you're talking about like you know the 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 Son and Silva Ultimate Fighter season or certain prelims for certain cards. It's like why why do you have a network? Why do you have this revenue if you're not going to be able to use it?
1: Yeah, no, nah, I I, feel, I um I, I agree with you. Like I, I don't know what the game plan is. If it's only for strictly international things, and like the only like that first prelim, because I know with this card it was only like the first or second, the first two prelims were on it. If it's only for that, that's fine. But if it becomes like the entire prelims is all on Fight pass and yep. none of it goes on television. I, I think that that will
2: become a problem. Oh yeah, people are going to get pissed off. So, um, switching gears a little bit, I did want to talk about the uh, the bonuses that got given out. Uh, knockout of the night went to Luke Rockhold. He took fifty grand. Uh, submission of the night went to the Yo, uh, to Cole Miller and Yo Romero and Derek Brunson took fight of the night. So to ease Derek Brunson's jaw, he got a nice fifty grand for it. Um, but I do want to get into the the post fight uh, announcements because. Mm-hmm one of the things that they dangled the carrot on uh, post-fight and also after the Ultimate Fighter was what Dana White had to say about George St. Pierre's inflammatory comments. Like They made sure to use that immediately. Immediately. Like, like it was like, oh, what's what's Dana White going to say? Like, it was like they finished and they said, don't go anywhere because of this. So, you know, we all know GSP, he's quote-unquote retired, enjoying his life, you know, going to clubs, getting wasted, you know, having... Fucking lots of chicks, you know, typical GSP shit, and um, you know he was very vocal about the drug testing and talking about how you know the 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 you know the the drug testing and all the bullshit that MMA does and the way that the UFC handles it, and he was like, you know, he, I I kind of want to say that GSP came off a little bitter, saying it the way he's saying it. Before I get into what Dana White said, do you feel that GSP's attitude since stepping away from the sport? has been, you know, conducive to, to doing the sport any favors. It almost feels like he could give two shits about coming back because he's got the dough right now.
1: I think GSP's feelings towards the UFC are what a lot of high level fighters that don't play the UFC games or the UFC's play ball the way the UFC wants them to play ball. Right. Probably feel. Like I believe like John Jones probably feels Probably the same way. Yep. Um, Nick Diaz. Silva has alluded to, <laughs> while having the belt, feeling similar. Yep. Um,
2: Nick Diaz. <laughs> Nick, Nick Diaz, Diaz definitely.
1: <laughs> basically, straight up said he feels this way. The UFC um, does a lot of things really well and also has a almost mob like mentality. Right. If you do something for us, we'll be set for the rest of our lives. Like Rich Franklin, who's getting paid by them to do nothing. Right, Chuck who gets paid for, by them to do nothing. There, there are certain dudes that are going to be UFC guys, and there's dudes and they're normally the really, really good fighters that aren't going to be. Right. And when they leave, you'll hear these stories about, hell, you might hear them more when they are there about how the UFC at times um, doesn't necessarily treat the fighters that great, which I kind of could have guessed it's a sports organization. Sports organizations aren't necessarily built to benefit the nope. athlete. It's built to line the pockets of whoever's owning it. Yep. Um, so I don't really – I personally don't mind GSC Summers because it's interesting to hear his take on the UFC why he's not there. And what's the worst they can do to him? Because when he decides he wants to come back and fight, they're not going to promote that fight. Like, they're really going to say, GSP, they're not going to promote that fight. No, they... That
2: would be stupid. No, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> I think I think that the problem with GSP and, and, you know, Dana White, see, Dana, the, the beauty of it was that Fox Sports basically gives Dana White the platform to, to kind of shit on dudes too because he was just like, yeah, the dude, you know, GSP was mad that I said that, you know, Johnny Hendricks won his fight. And, you know, when I was there, he wasn't going to say nothing to me. But, you know, he could have called me and told me how he felt. It's like, dude, you said that your champion didn't win his fight. The guy that puts money in your pocket didn't win his fight. What the fuck do you think is going to... How do you think the guy's going to feel? What's he going to call you and be like, "Eh, Dana, you are a fucking asshole. You know, like, what's he going to do? Call Dana White and say, Dana, you're a fucking asshole. Because, I, you know, I won. Like, stop shitting on me. What? He's still his boss.
1: Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, that
2: doesn't make sense. Like, he's like, oh, he's going to call me and tell you what? What's he going to tell you?
1: Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know what he really expect GSP in this situation to do. And it wasn't like GSP, like, just randomly decided to say these things. He was asked, and he's at a position now, which is like I said last time when I was in the chat, GSP has that fuck you money. Yep. Like, he can give a fuck what you think about him. That's right. <laughs> GSP is dumb rich. GSP, it, when he decide when and if he decides to come back fighting, the UFC is going to promote that fight. Absolutely. Dana White can be as mad as he wants to be. Still going to promote his fight. Well, So, it doesn't matter, like, in the long run.
2: Well, Dana White made, alluded to a very, a very valid point, and me and you had talked about this at length, and it was about the, the, the advanced drug testing that GSP wanted mm-hmm. for the fight and how that fell apart. You know, GSP wanted to do deeper testing, but he wanted them to use his guy. Obviously, Johnny Hendricks isn't going to want to use his guy and GSP is not going to want to use Johnny Hendricks guy in that particular case. And Dana White was like, oh, you know, I thought it was a stupid idea. That's not what he should have done. You want deeper testing, then we're going to get deeper testing for this fight. Like the organization should been like, oh, you guys want deeper testing? Well, we're going to be the middleman and we're going to pick a lab and that's going to be it. Like, I don't understand how yeah, like-, like, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like he got all bent out of shape. Oh, you know, he said this, that we should use his lab. Why? You know?
1: See, I I, I had seen, like, when when all that was going on, like, Donnie uh, Harris wanted uh, WADA, uh, GSP wanted VEBA. Yep. It could have simply put it straight down the middle. The UFC is like, we will test everything. Straight down the middle. Neither one of you get exactly what you want. That's right. But you're both getting tested.
2: That's, boom. boom. That's and
1: it. It would have been done. And it wouldn't have been any of this Back and forth. Now after the fact, because the whole point was they both wanted they both wanted testing. Yep, that was it. Like they just wanted to both prove they weren't on steroids. If that's what you want to do, cool. The UFC could just pay for Olympic Olympic drug testing. That's right. And boom, neither one of you on drugs.
2: That's it. Bam. And not and only that, but,
1: no, what, uh, the what, UFC at times does things that don't make any sense. That's part all. of it. So,
2: and the other thing I was going to say is that the, the UFC is impartial. They don't want either guy to piss fucking positive, so they could have just picked the the lab themselves. Like, that's crazy to me.
1: And not had any of this. Like, not had any of this conversation. If they had just picked the lab themselves, none of this. There would be no reason for any of this conversation.
2: Well, people were saying, and it was funny. I don't think that's his only problem either, so. Well, people were saying on Twitter, that they were like, oh, GSP wanted that testing because he wanted to kind of uh, move the ball away from him actually being on the juice. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, that's a stupid argument, but there were dudes like, like putting that out on Twitter. And then of course, Dana White, he was very vocal about saying that he buried Bigfoot Silva for testing positive. It's like, dude, you wouldn't, you shouldn't say that either. You're like, Oh, yo, we disciplined him accordingly. He was like, yo, we buried that guy. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I, I don't
1: even know <laughs> what you mean by buried him. Yep, that's They, they give a nine month suspension which he probably would have been not fighting for nine months (laughs) anyway. So that's not really a real suspension. Regardless, their view on steroids is funny in the first place because you got Vitor Belfort running around here on uh, testosterone replacement when he's tested positive for steroids multiple times. Basically, the whole point of this is Dana White is butthurt that GSP is not playing the game. Yep, that's right. And He right. doesn't have to. It's the same thing that happened when John Jones spoke his mind and basically like "fuck you." I'm not doing something you want simply because you want it. Well, I'm... and he got hurt, but hurt then. Well, it's, it's... it's the same. It's the same thing that when you have what happens when you deal with real athletes and not dudes that are just happy to be there.
2: This is true. Well, uh, kind of on that same on that same subject, Nate Diaz, and I'm actually glad that you you came on this week because. The Nate Diaz situation is funny because it's like, dude wants a title shot. They're like, yo, you're going to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. And he's like, yeah, but you're going to pony up some more money. And Dana White's like, yeah, dude, but you've only won like one of your last three fights. I was like, fuck. You know, it's like, it's weird because different guys come out of pocket for different things. Some guys are more justified than others. In, In his case, though, he wants a title shot. And I don't really think... He has. he's in the right frame to get it. If anybody should get it, it should be no. Gilbert. Melendez should get a shot. Should be who? Gilbert Melendez.
1: Yeah, Melendez. I, I don't even think Josh Thompson deserves a shot he's about to get. Um, I think <laughs> well, Gilbert he's got to get past deserves Bendo. A shot more than anyone else, is lightweight. And I also think he's probably... Well, I, I still don't think he'd be Anthony Pettis, but he'd probably be the most interesting fight. Um, Here's what I was thinking about Nick Diaz, or Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz has a point, but not his point is misplaced. Right. His, I want a title shot, is completely misplaced. Yep. He should be focused strictly on the money because it, I, I looked at the salaries for the last time he fought, his salary actually dropped it did. from what it was before. So I actually agree with him, excuse me, about him wanting more money. That part's fine. Asking for a title shot is dumb because you're one in three coming off two embarrassing losses and you just got your third. You got another win over Gray Manor, which was an impressive win. Right. But the two fights you lost, you got dominated. Yes, you did. So he's not in line for a title shot. Hey, he And was, I think if he, huh?
2: No, I was going to say is he got a knockout in one of those fights. Remember, he got knocked out to so everybody. like,
1: oh, shit. He got knocked out and got dominated by Ben Henderson. Yep. And the champion just beat Ben Henderson for the second time. There you They're go. Not gonna, they, 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 that doesn't even make sense. For him to get the title shot right now, but he does deserve more money, so I agree with him there. Um, But Dana White kind of alluding to him being scared of Khabib Nem- off. I don't agree with that. Nope. Because the UFC controls this message. Dana White controls the UFC message. Yep. I never agree with him presenting the message that his fighters are scared of other fighters.
2: Yep. I hate it, when he does it that. It
1: does no good for your own product, to me. <laughs>
2: And he does revision his history. I mean, one of one of one of our one of our friends and, and you know him just as well, probably Blustain Lane. But, you know, if you if you follow the UFC's logic, Fedor's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like 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 those guys outside of the organization are garbage if you followed that. And that's the until the, you sign yeah. them. Yep. Until you sign them, then when you sign them, oh, are god tier. These guys are are, are god tier guys. But until then, they're, they're they're shitty in your book, and that's what bothers me. Like, all right, Khabib, the guy's on a tear. The guy's a problem. Nate Diaz, you want to fight this guy? What? What? If Nate Diaz is like, nah, I want more money. As a businessman, you go listen. Fight this dude. It's a. It, it'll be a contention fight. You win, get a title match. You lose you know you, you got to dangle the carrot the right way like and we've talked about this you can't you can't shit on your own guys when they're the guys that put money in your pocket you can't do it that's plain and yeah. simple
1: it it it's, it's the way i felt like with it, it came to head to me with the whole john Jones situation you have to handle these things with a certain level of tact that Dana White doesn't seem to have or care to use.
2: Hell no, he got no tact.
1: <laughs> and so he, he just doesn't handle the will. I mean, it works for him. It's worked for him. No one, ha- it, it hasn't broken, it hasn't taken away any money out of his pocket, so he really doesn't have to do it. Right. But it would be better for, and I feel it would be better for a company if occasionally he just shut the fuck up. Like, I agree. Don't don't comment on it. Nope. Just say no comment.
2: Just actually say no comment. Yep. Or or next question. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, like that's that's it. Well, but, you know
2: what it is. I, his I mean, his brash mentality works, but you can't be that way twenty four seven, especially with your fighters. Because you got to remember, these guys. It's like yeah, you know, they make money with you, but they they also feel that they are independent contractors. They are their own boss. They fight for you. But you gotta kind of respect what they're putting on the line. It's like in Nate Diaz's case, the guy, the guy wants a title opportunity. You know he wants a title opportunity, but you want him to fight. Like I said, Dangle the Carrot. Dude, I want you to fight this guy. I will make it a title, we'll make it a, a, a contention fight, and you win, I'll give you the title shot. You lose though, this, you know, X, Y, and Z has to happen. Like that's how you got to do it. It's just business. If you would have told him, "Yo, man, you beat this dude, we'll, we'll talk." Especially because he's on a tear. I think Nate Diaz would have been like, "All right, and, you know, we're good. Fuck it, I'll do and it and
1: do it behind closed doors." Thank you. Don't have you. To tell the world you're even doing this.
2: That's exactly just right. Do it. That's <laughs> it. But but that's what happens. I mean, but, let, a good example of closed doors. Look at the Matt Brown situation. That guy put his foot deep in his own mouth with what he said. Yeah. You didn't see Dana White come out and say shit. Not a fucking thing. Because he knew. But He's I'm like,
1: sure something happened to Matt Brown. <laughs> oh yeah, well Everyone you know knows what it is. But I'm sure Matt Brown had a con- there was there was a conversation that was had.
2: Well, here's the funny thing: the UFC put out a statement that said Matt Brown has apologized for the comments made on his podcast, and we have addressed the matter with him. His comments don't reflect the views of the UFC. There's no place for discrimination within our organization on any level. The UFC is built on principles of respect. And any statements to the contrary are not acceptable. Let's rewind that statement. That's why I'm glad we're we're talking about this. The UFC is built on the principles of respect. This is the same guy that said yesterday that that his fighter is scared to fight another dude. <laughs> you yeah. see what I'm saying? And any statements contrary yeah. to that are not acceptable. What the hell is that?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's it's, it. It's man. Dana White being Dana White. That's that's that whole thing. It's just Dana being Dana. I I I he, he does he's a hypocrite and no one really calls him out on it, so he's allowed to say and do really hypocritical things all the time, so
2: well, the Matt Brown case, it was just crazy because he, Matt Brown, that statement he put out, I was like, I was like dude, that's to And it was funny because it was like, I'm just going to drop this right here. And then all of a sudden, it just freaking flared up because I didn't even know, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know that the guy had like a podcast. And then it was like, yeah, he had a podcast. He said this. And I'm like, holy shit, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, that, that's kind of how I felt too. Like I was unaware that he had a podcast, and then all of a sudden, the next thing I'm hearing is he wants chicks to fight topless. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> like, I was like, like, uh, that's I was like well, damn. People to find out about your podcast.
2: That's one way, way to right. do it. Well, uh, switching gears a little bit, a couple of fights started coming together, which I wanted to talk with you. Of course, UFC 170 is is prepped and ready to go. February 22nd, Ronda Rousey defending her belt. Against Sarah uh, Sarah McMahon, Cormier and Rashad Evans, Rory McDonald, Damian Maya, uh, Stephen Thompson and Robert Riddick, uh, Robert Whittaker and Rafael Dos Anjos and Rustan Kabilov, and on um, the Fox Sports One prelims, thank God, um, Alexis Davis, Jessica I, your boy Brian Caraway is fighting, um, and then on Fight Pass, which is weird, they put uh, Zach Makovsky and Josh Sampo and Eric Koch and Rafael Oliveira. It's weird that they put Makovsky on the fight pass. I mean the guy's a pretty a pretty solid dude. I would have thought he would have at yeah, least been on the Eric prelims. Oaks. Yeah, those guys are solid guys. I mean, Mike Pyle and T J Wahlberg on the Fox Sports one card.
1: Um I, mean, I don't know how they decide really what's going to be the first fight or not. Um, I personally think that Zach Mikowski and uh Eric Coach should have both been on the main card, but yep. it's not the end of the world. Um I don't know. It was just weird to me. Like that—that that is strange.
2: Well, Cormier making his debut at two hundred five, taking on Rashad. Rashad, you know, coming in good striking after a solid performance against Chael. What do you think? You think Cormier is going to be the upset king at two hundred five?
1: Um, I gotta see if he can first. I gotta see if he, <laughs> if he can he make, could cut the weight. Like, if he can make two hundred five. <laughs> yeah, if he can—he he can make two hundred five. Then we'll see from there. Um, if he can make it, <laughs> I would be really interested to see what he's able to do at 205. Because I think he has the athleticism and the wrestling ability to be a real problem at 205. Um, I think he can beat Rashad. I think He, he you think so? hits harder than Rashad, who hits pretty hard himself. But I think he probably hits a little bit harder than Rashad. Um,
2: Rashad, ha- Rashad has faster hands, though.
1: Yeah, I think Rashad has the faster hands of the two, but I think he probably hits a little bit harder. Um, I'd be really interested to see how this fight goes. Like, I, I really want to know, like, I really want to see what Cormier looks like at 205 because I really believe if he wins this fight, he's getting a title shot.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and Yeah, unless Gustafson looks amazing in his next fight. Actually, no. Actually, he would be the fight after Gustafson because, personally, I thought, that should have been an instantaneous rematch.
0: Absolutely, because
1: that was such an amazing fight. But um, um, I think he would be the second, the, the next dude up. He'll be the very next dude up um, after uh, Gustafson, depending on what what happens with Gustafson.
2: How do you feel? How do you feel Rousey's chances are against Sarah McMahon?
1: Um, I think she might. That might be her toughest fight uh, because she's not going to be able to do the, the same things.
0: And she herself
1: said it. The same thing she did to
0: to Misha Tate,
1: Tate, to Sarah Man. Like when Misha Tate would get in on a double leg, she was just able to throw her. She's not going to be able to do that to Sarah Man. So um, it should be a really good fight. Um, I still, I mean, until someone shows me they can even give Ronda Rousey a competitive fight, I still have to pick Ronda Rousey. Of course. Excuse me. I'd be real interested to see what happens between her and uh, Ceremon Man. I think that man is a really big, strong wrestler, yep, and i would just be interested to see do they nullify each other's ground games, and if so, like then who's the better striker
2: yeah i think I think Rousey's hands still need a lot of work, I mean, as much as she drills a lot of judo, her stand up in the Tate fight was good, but it's still there was still a lot of holes you could see
1: yeah it it was better than the last time well, really we haven't seen her. Have to use it. Nope. But it it looked better than I. It, the little bit that you saw of her doing a Royce Gracie kind of side step kick thing to your knee
0: yep. to just
1: get close to you. Um, It looked better than that. Um, so she looked like she had been working on it. I don't know if she'll ever be a great striker, and I don't know if she really needs to be. Um. But she looked good. In the, I mean, this this was her most complete MMA performance. Her last fight was her most from start to finish complete MMA performance ever. Like that that was the one first time that we saw as that much of her game at one time. And she looked good, so I'd be interested to see what she looks like. Um against someone who I think will make her do very similar things. We'll have to show off more than just, you know, her judo.
2: Well you know what I what the crazy thing is with that in, in Rousey's case there's there's there we're running out of viable contenders. I mean obviously Kat Zingano was going to be next, but given the tragedy she just went through, which I was going to talk about, you know, the, the passing of her husband, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because now Kat Zingano's out of the, out of, you know, out of the picture for the foreseeable future until, you know, her personal situation improves. Now you're going to get um, Misha Tate. She's going to be fighting on the uh, Fox card. And the thing is, she's going to be taking on Liz Carmouche, who fought Ronda Rousey. It's like, how, what other what other opponents do you got, you know?
1: None. I Th- mean, to be, that's the problem. To be very honest, there, there really isn't any um, at the moment. Um, we'll see, because I, I have a feeling what's going to happen is if she be saying, man, there's going to be a long time. There will be a good amount of space between the next Ronda Rousey fight. I yep. think that they will give her the opportunity to go over do some movies, whatever, whatever, whatever she's trying to do. And um, I can see that. Let the division kind of fill out because the way she beats people or the is way too she decisive. Has people, really doesn't leave any room for a rematch. Nope. Um, so, I mean, maybe she fights Liz Carmouche again. or Liz Carmouche was really good against Misha Tay, but. I think they just give it an opportunity, flourish a little bit, see what happens with Kat Zangano, um, if she wants to fight her, what's going on with that, and, you know, see see where where everything goes from here.
2: Well, you know what's funny? Val, Val in the chat says Tate's going to be fighting the unemployment line. You know what the problem is with that? The UFC's not going to get rid of Misha Tate because she's good-looking. No. And they can market the shit out of her.
1: It is not even just that. She don't got... They don't have enough fighters to just be cutting girls.
2: Right, right, right. right. But but what I'm saying is she's <laughs> she marketable. She's marketable. You know what I mean? Like when when you're marketing Rhonda, you can market her. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like she, like like right now, I believe both of them are in the Max 100, in the Maximum Hot 100 for you know being uh, na- being nominated for the Maximum Hot 100. When the fuck did you ever think that was gonna happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I
1: mean. Yeah, they're not gonna get ready. <laughs> and it has nothing. And like for me, it—I don't think it even has that much to do with her attractiveness. It, it's more like when you don't got that many fighters of the women's vision, um, you can't just be cutting girls. Like, oh dude, no, I, she has to lose a lot of fights in a row for them to even
0: consider cutting her.
2: No, I see what you're saying, but what I'm looking at also is that because you know the UFC wants more crossover stars. Don't get me wrong, Ronda Rousey's a great crossover star for the sport. But you also got to remember, she she still kind of occasionally inserts foot in mouth. You know what I mean? You got to have an extra person out there. Think about it. For for your faces of the sport on the men's side, Anderson Silva, GSP, John Jones, Chael Sonnen, Kane uh, Velasquez, Uriah Faye. You know what I mean? Like you could go down a list of, of guys that you could throw out there for mainstream press. With the ladies, it's all Ronda all the time. Like in, in, in this particular case with Misha Tate, the the this season of the Ultimate Fighter with them helped her become more mainstream.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially so, especially because the season seemed to kind of be geared towards her being the good guy. Right. So um, it, it did a lot for her. So yeah, I mean, like both our points are completely valid. Like you right. Not only is she their star, like, you can't cut her. like it just nope, you it, can't do it. Plus, I don't necessarily think that she might even lose with Khabib. I mean, she's a good fighter. She just gets her ass whooped by Ronda Rousey every time they fight.
2: <laughs> this is true. I was uh, Before we, we get into Bellator, I was going to say, um, Michael Johnson kind of threw his hat out there to fight Khabib. And um, I was kind of like, chill. <laughs> when I read that. Just because I'm like...
1: I mean, I don't think he has any chance <laughs> to beat Khabib. But, I mean... He might hit him. I mean, Michael Johnson has a good striking game. I mean, he does. It'd be an interesting fight, but I think Khabib never get off. And I'm really proud of myself for being able to say his name. Uh, is uh, would be a little too much for Michael Johnson.
2: Well, Michael Johnson is six and four. Khabib is five and zero oh in the UFC and twenty one and zero oh in the sport overall. It's 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 like, dude you right. you gotta you gotta you gotta get. That's a money fight. Any any guy that fights him is, is going to be the guy that can either give him his first loss or become a human highlight reel for the guy. So you got to tread cautiously.
1: Yeah, yeah and I kind of feel Michael Johnson will probably be a yeah, human highlight.
2: <laughs> so on on the Bellator side of things, how do you feel about um Strauss, Daniel Strauss taking on Pat Curran?
1: I didn't understand why that was the fight that being made. You have two yep. tournament winners lined up, and photo exactly. and, uh, and, uh, Pipple? Yeah, I believe so, people. yeah, like, both of these dudes are lined up, I don't see why you even make that, th- and it wasn't like their second fight was close, Daniel Strauss dominated that fight, it yep. was ugly, but he actually dominated that fight, so I was a little surprised, uh, that that was the fight they made, um, but, you know, I always enjoy watching Daniel Strauss' fight because he's the exact opposite of what they describe Black fighters as. Yep, he does nothing explosive or athletic about Daniel Strauss. <laughs> so, um, I, I enjoy watching him fight. But I, I think I, it's probably going to go the same. And I, I just, I just don't think you had to pull the trigger on this.
0: Like,
1: Pat Curran is one of these fighters that has said he has no intention of leaving Bellator. I don't think you had to pull the trigger on this fight yet. You could have let him go back to a tournament and, right. you know, earn that way back up. And he would have got some fight. He's going to beat mostly everybody except Daniel Strauss. Like, you <laughs> just could have just let him go to another tournament. But This is true. I don't
2: know. Well, you know what? They're also advertising War Machine taking on Nishan Burrell and Joe Diesel Riggs is taking on Sam Oropesa.
1: I hope Nishan Burrell beats <laughs> everything out of War Machine. I hate War Machine. He's... War <laughs> Machine is a definition of everything I hate by MMA stereotypes. Dudes...
2: War machine.
1: His, his his legal name is War machine. That's really all you need to know. <laughs> but yeah, I just
2: no. Well, the only the only other card that that I really kind of was curious about is obviously the light heavyweight title unification between Attila Ve and Emmanuel Newton. That's going down March twenty first. Uh is taking on David Rickles in the lightweight tournament opening round. Also, Marcin Held is fighting on that on that card Terry Atom is on that card those are all lightweight tournament opening fights um, I don't know this Attila Ve Emmanuel Newton fight I didn't even know that Emmanuel Newton was interim champion
1: I, I didn't neither did I <laughs> oh get, get, wait was that a tournament
2: when he fought um, what's his name um, he fought, King uh, Mo uh, uh, King Mo that was a
1: tournament that I, was that was a tournament uh, that was a tournament oh <laughs> okay um
2: that was supposed to be pay per view, you know, remember? An interim belt.
1: Um okay. Um <laughs> I'm interested in the in the fight because uh Tilavega is a pretty good fighter, and Emmanuel Newton has proved he's a really good fighter. Um so I'm interested to see how the fight goes. Um I think Emmanuel Newton will probably take it though. Um he he just seems like he might have found some kind of groove in his game and just seems to be hitting on all cylinders. I'm interested to see what they do with King Mo, if he even fights. Anymore. I was gonna,
2: ask, I was gonna ask you so, about that, King Mo and Rampage. It's like you signed them. Now what?
1: <laughs> I think they're gonna end up fighting each other. Like I, I would be surprised if they didn't end up fighting each other very soon. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like because just King Mo losing twice and losing the way he did twice. Well, getting knocked out once and then basically just losing. Just having the worst game plan I've ever seen. And just losing. So, um, I'd, be, I'd be interested to see what they do with King Mo. in well, the future.
2: I'm also interested in, in the World Series of Fighting and the MFC cards for a couple of reasons. The World Series of Fighting, uh, just because uh, Anthony Johnson's fight is supposed to be a title fight, and I believe it's the last fight on his contract. And he's pretty much of the mindset of, you know, I'll go where, where the money is. Now, Couple of questions. He's fighting at at, at two oh five. Let's say he wins. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's going to make a run to stay in the organization, or go to Bellator, or try and get another fight in and get on the UFC's radar at two oh five?
1: I think he'll try to get on the UFC's radar at two oh five because he more or less said before that he wants back in the UFC, and I think his weight cutting issues, which is crazy to think this dude used to be a hundred seven pounder. Yeah, that's insane. Um, his weight cutting issues at 205 are kind of gone and I mean he can always just fight at heavyweight too so I think <clears throat> and I actually think he's a viable 205 205 he can wrestle he definitely can crack um so I think he'll be a viable 205-er um I think in, in World Series of Fighting as, as much as they probably hate to hear it they're a feeder organization and I don't know why you would give him a title shot, knowing this is the last title of the contract, but um, they're probably going to end up losing their light like, heavyweight champion to the UFC. And then if they give Marlon Moraes a bantamweight title, he's going to go to the UFC. <laughs> so they're going to lose probably all of their really great fighters. Justin Gaethje is probably headed to the UFC. So at some point, they're going to lose a lot of these fighters.
2: And of course... Um... To wrap things up, M- uh, Maximum Fighting Championships has their fights uh, tomorrow on Access TV. And, of course, a uh, friend of the show, Gilbert Smith, will be fighting on that card tomorrow. So I'm um, going to go in there and root, root for one of our friends, of course, one of the past guests on the show. MFC puts on some really good cards. It's, it's a shame that they're not getting as much exposure as, say, World Series of Fighting because they always put on solid cards on Access.
1: Yeah, M X C puts on some decent cards. Um, and hell, their owner is very similar to Dana White. Yep. <laughs> in name, thing. Yep. So, um, you know, um, they 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 put on they actually put on some really good cards. And if anybody, you know, uh, and they find a ring, like it, it, it brings you kind of back to the pride style of fighting where they have they have a ring. I mean, there's no soccer kicks or anything like that, but they're in a ring. Um, you know, they they um they put on good cards.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna definitely uh. Make sure to put that on the fan page. Shout them out, um, of course. To to bring things full circle and close things out. How do you how, how do you feel that the with the you know Anderson Silva being injured and his recovery being estimated at less than six months and the alleged comeback fight he want they want to do against GSP. Uh, you know, let's close it out with that. What do you think? Do you think it's wise for Anderson Silva if he comes back? to take that kind of a fight, especially post-injury? Because not for nothing, I mean, when he was on TMZ and he came out with the crutches, and he was like, I back, I back. And I'm like, dude, you, you're still on crutches. You're not walking yet.
1: Um, I think uh, I would be interested. I would love to see the GSD fight, and I think yep. it wouldn't be that big of an issue for him to come back to that for that fight, um, mostly because they both wouldn't have fought over you because um, even though the recovery is six months, I don't think that he'll be fighting in six months. Like, I think that's when he'll be allowed to train. So <laughs> um, considering that he'll probably put on a good amount of weight, all this other stuff, like, I just think that he'll probably be, probably won't be fighting until if, if at the earliest December, um at the earliest. So um, I think if him, you can get him and GSP to agree to, um, fight it would be um it would be a really good really really good fight to see something like that it'd be like kind of a weapons of the generation kind of kind of really huge thing like that um but yeah I think I think Anderson Silva really wants to come back now I don't agree with his statements that you know
0: he was going to win that fight an
1: accident or anything like that or diesel luck that's a technique they use in Muay Thai. I've seen it happen before in Muay Thai uh stadium fights this dudes snapping their legs up. Yep. Getting leg kicks blocked. It happens. Um It just happens rarely, but it does happen. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm I hope I don't think he'll ever fight Chris Wobbin again, but I hope <laughs> he does come back and put on maybe one or two more fights.
2: You know it's fu- you know you know it's funny, Val is like, He's normal. Leg break he's normal. It's like <laughs> you know what it is? Uh, here's the thing with Anderson Silva and if he comes back and fights GSP, that should be the cash fight for both those guys and they should just do it and then retire. It's like after the fight is over, yeah. or whoever wins, they should just be like, Yo, man, it was a great fight. Uh, we're gonna announce our retirement. I think Dana White would fucking shoot himself in the middle of that cage.
1: I think that's what they should do. Like I yep. think the UFC should be prepared for that. Like I think they should fight each other. Yep. It should be like the Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather that would be the Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather fight. That's right. The MMA. Like that fight happens. And then they both were like, "No matter win, lose, or draw, whoever win, lose, we're both done." Yeah. Like, because there's nothing less for them to do after that.
0: That's it. And
1: so, I think that's what it should be.
2: Anderson Silva. It's funny. Jay puts Silva's going to be on the juice anyway, so it won't matter. It's like Anderson Silva's being put in like the Dragon Ball Z hyperbaric time chamber. They need, <laughs> they need him back. I'm not even trying to be. I'm not even trying to be an asshole about Chris Weidman or any of these guys, but it's like the UFC is scared to build the stars that they have now with their belts like think about it Chris Weidman he won the belt are they really going out there touting him as as you know the face of the organization nope you know John Jones yeah. is your champion they, they,
1: they really can't
2: yet you know John Jones is your champion he's been out there once in a while but he like you notice they're not touting him they're not pushing him out there like Anderson Silva or GSP or Ronda Rousey like all their champions even Kane Kane, as much as they love him to get the Latino audience, they're not pushing those dudes out there because they I, I don't think they have legitimate faith in them to be representatives of the organization, excluding John Jones just for, for different reasons. But I'm just talking about those guys. Like you notice they're not pushing them out there.
1: Yeah, they really can't yet. I mean, except for John Jones, they should be able to, but I don't know. Um they need they want Anderson Silva back and hopefully they get him back soon.
2: Yeah, well, I hope so, dude. But I think they're going to everybody's like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. His recovery is going so well. And I said when we talked about it last week, I'm like, that's what happens when the organization is is sinking money into crazy Brazilian doctors. <laughs> you know, you think those dudes are going over there and getting, you know, special bone grafts and polymers and supplementation. Oh, dude, Anderson Silva is their cash cow, just like GSP like even with GSP when he got hurt remember when he blew out his knee everybody was just like <sighs> and they were like yo we got to we got to bring this dude back and they brought he came back faster than we thought
1: yeah i mean they're going to do everything they can to get him super back as fast as possible and they should so <laughs> they did the say thing for GSP
2: i just feel i just feel bad for for Weidman and all their other champions that they're not i don't know they're just not getting the same marketability that that you know their their predecessors had like, Weidman's just like, eh, he's there. Long Island kid, blue-collar guy. Yeah, he's our champion.
1: Weird. Well, I don't think they can with Weidman yet because they don't know if he's going to keep that belt. So
2: Yeah, but even still, you got to do something. Piece... Okay. you know, you got to push these guys out there, get them noticed.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. I don't know what their marketing plan for this stuff is. But GSP has always been brand over fighter, so...
2: There you go. Well, we'll see GSP next in uh, Captain America in March. <laughs> that's right. I will fight yes, Captain that's America. That's it. I will be Bathrock the Leaper. I will fight the captain on the big screen. Oh, my God. Him at the movie premiere is going to be hilarious, dude. He's going to come with his little tight-ass suit.
1: <laughs> uh, I hope they don't make him wear that suit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't wear that purple and yellow suit, dude, from the books. That's just going to be bad gonna be so bad and i am bathrock the leaper oh i need the mustache dude we need that we need the mustache on gsp we need that anyway uh let's take it home um dude what's up no 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 hip-hop podcast lately what's going on
1: um we did one we did a long one well you saw the long one we did that one um because of both our work schedules and everything uh at the moment it's a bit sporadic but we have one that we're recording probably tomorrow that'll be okay. posted. So if I just uh you just go on YouTube and type in a double H and D uh well, you even actually just type in double H and D it'll be your first thing that pops up. Um in YouTube and uh yeah it's just a podcast on my hip hop, uh hip hop, whatever basically whatever we feel like talking about and hip hop. So <laughs> it's it's a pretty fun podcast.
2: Was it you that said something derogatory to Kim Kardashian? Did you get punched by Kanye West? Was it you? Were you trying to get a payday? <laughs> uh
1: actually reading that story, that kid kinda deserved
2: of to get punched in the Oh dude, he he absolutely did, but you know that in the back of his mind that guy was like, I am so paid. It's like it, it was pretty much it, it was pretty much for, for the for our wrestling fans, it was the equivalent of Dean Ambrose with Jake the Snake snake on him, smiling. When he had the snake on him, that guy got that guy took that punch with a smile on his face.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I I agree with Kanye punching him. Unfortunately, Kanye is not going to have to pay
2: him. Yep. So. But I think I, and and to, you know, to say the, the, the thing that we were saying before about fuck you money, he's pretty much of that mindset. He's like, fuck it. You know, I got to give this kid, uh, you know, a couple, a couple hundred grand, maybe a little more. Fuck it. Punching him in the face was worth it. <laughs>
1: You know, basically. <laughs> there
2: you go. All right, so um, of course, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T 89 on Twitter. Uh, make sure to check out the Double H-N-D podcast on YouTube. Anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, my dude, thank you for calling in this week. I appreciate it.
1: All right, man, peace.
2: All right, later. All right, guys, that was Ben. That is going to wrap up our MMA for this week. Let's get into some wrestling because it, it's, it, it was one of those weeks, ladies and gentlemen. It was definitely one of those weeks. Booker T, shall we get into it?
0: We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we got it for you, nigga!
2: Well, holy shit was wrestling on a tear. Two for two this week. Great night of wrestling once again. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the opening match on Raw. Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt took on the Usos in a very, very good match. The Usos continue to show shades of brilliance every week. Every week, the Usos continue to show sh- shades of brilliance. And they're coming off the Samoan diet plan. So they're actually starting to get in wrestling shape. Looking really good out there. That super kick that Bray Wyatt ate. It was it was serious. I you heard that pop when he got cracked but I was like, oh shit. It was it was pretty much, you know.
0: You got knocked the fuck out, man.
2: That's that's pretty much how that went. It was it was bananas. I really liked the Uso showing in that match. Uh, it looked really good. Definitely more angle advancement than anything else, but a solid, solid opening. Not only that, but we got a second solid match with Damian Sandow and John Cena. A couple of things I got to talk about from that match. Uh, Nice nice work by Sandow using the crossface. Uh, You could tell that the announcers were kind of confused whether they wanted to call it the STF or the crossface. You could see it. It was like, uh, Damian Sandow's using his... He's using the STF. And then you could kind of see they wanted to call it the crossface. A a, a solid stellar showing by Damian Sandow, who continues to show that he can definitely hang in the upper card. One of the things that got me was the fact that that victory by Cena pretty much ruined the match. And the reason I say that is because you could have had Cena get the victory with a roll-up, and it would have looked better and it would have made Sandow look better versus him just powering his way out and using the typical Super Cena offense to secure himself a victory. I was That really was what brung down that, nat, that match a couple of pegs for me because you got to think about it. You have Damian Sandow going in there, he's putting on a clinic, he even catches Cena in his own move and... All of a sudden, Cena just powers out of it completely and gets the victory. It was solid. I just didn't feel that, you know, Damian Sandow got the maximum benefit from that match. And not only that, the announcers went out of their way to sell it. But it was, you know, once again, it was one of those things where it really just could have gone better. Quark says that Sandow is sadly beyond redemption. You know what it is? To a point, I can agree, especially over the last couple of weeks with those Great Khali matches, but I think with Sandow, he needs to get himself into a relevant feud to kind of wash away the stench of the Great Khali feud. If anything, maybe you gotta give Sandow maybe a tag team partner, give him a run at the tag team titles just to kind of get him relevant and then break him off and have him run for a a singles run. Because Sandow... He showed a lot in that match. He showed um, definitely good control in the ring, good ring awareness. And above all else, he he made, you know, he didn't allow John Cena to outshine him as much as we would have thought. Because, you know, John Cena, whenever a match is, whenever he's in a match, you automatically know that the person is losing. Very few guys get the rub, you know. Uh, You know, the, um, that's... Quark brings up a good point. He was talking about the Ziggler and Sandow feud, and it's true. That that feud was solid, and it really worked. Um, I think that the problem with Ziggler is that it's the injuries and just the lack of faith from management that aren't allowing Ziggler to be a bigger player. I think that's really what's holding Ziggler back. I mean, the feud itself, that feud was really good, and they should have done more with it, and they just didn't. They just kind of... it, It sputtered and... It fell flat considering the two guys that were involved are both solid workers. Either way, though, the match with Cena was definitely very good. Uh, we got a little bit of a backstage segment with Corporate Kane and Brad Maddox, which was actually very good. Um, of course, it set up the steel cage for later on this evening, but I did like uh, the way Kane is kind of working the Corporate Kane angle. It looked really good. I, was, I had no problem with it. Uh, Jack Swagger and the big show pretty much was, you know, yeah, that's pretty much how that went. Uh, moving on CM Punk and the new age outlaws took on the shield. Uh, the new age outlaws ended up walking out on CM Punk, leaving CM Punk to catch an ass whooping from the shield. Um, couple of things. First, people are going to say, oh, the new age outlaws, why'd they walk out on CM Punk? People forget the new age outlaws are Triple H guys, those are his boys, so if they walk out on CM Punk, it should be a no-brainer, you know, it's it's one of those things, it definitely ties into the Triple H involvement, and the alleged build-up for a potential match between Punk and Triple H, I think that it, it worked, it worked well, there was a lot of good angle advancement, and again, you continue to see um, Reigns getting every pinfall reigns looking good in every match um you know it definitely there were a lot of really great moments in that match the announced team was going out of their way to put reigns over um again i felt that it could have been it could have been done a little better i think that overall letting reigns continue to get the pinfall works to create dissension in the shield but um you know, the New Age Outlaws is probably just a Triple H setup. So, if they were smart, they could have done CM Punk and a partner of his choosing facing the Outlaws on SmackDown, but it looks like they may be grooming the New Age Outlaws for a title run. So, we'll see where that goes. Obviously, SmackDown was taped, and I don't want to spoil it, but we'll see where that goes next week. AJ Lee and Tamina took on the Funkadactyls, and I do want to say that the match was surprisingly effective. It was effective not only because... The match showcased some some solid wrestling, uh, particularly from Naomi, because I'm sorry. Um, Cameron is just complete shit in the ring, but I think they're really starting to get comfortable and getting ready to groom Naomi for a push to possibly uh, be the next challenger for AJ's title. I have no problem with that. I do feel that Tamina has her... She has her high points. She had some really good good points in that match, but again... They it could have it could have been far more effective with um, maybe somebody else being involved. Had it been a Naomi and AJ singles match, I would I I think it would have been more effective versus having Cameron in there kind of stinking up the match a little bit. But either way, I think that that's where they're gonna go. Maybe we should we, if if they were smart, they would separate the Funkadactyls, push Naomi solo. Put Cameron with Xavier Woods, so she could be a valet for a little bit, and kind of focus on building up Naomi. I think Naomi has um, tremendous athleticism. She's a, a solid performer in the ring. She looks really good taking bumps. She has some really solid spots. That's that's pretty much where I'd like to see it go. But booking in the WWE, especially with with the Divas division, has been very very spotty as of late. Um, of course, right after this match, the big the big announcement was, of course, the legendary Ultimate Warrior going into the Hall of Fame. Now, before I get into the rest of the matches, I do want to talk about the Ultimate Warrior going into the Hall of Fame. Um, our you know, our staff was pretty much, I don't want to say split, but there was a lot of back and forth between our staff about uh, Ultimate Warrior going into the Hall of Fame. Now, this is how I feel. I think that the Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man Savage... Uh, Rick Rude, Tito Santana, a lot of those guys are pretty much bona fide, guaranteed Hall of Famers. Now, you could say the Ultimate Warrior shouldn't be in there before Savage, but you have to take into account that each year there's one main guy that they kind of build the Hall of Fame ceremony around if you put ultimate warrior and savage in there at the same time it's savage is going to get overshadowed i'm sorry but i feel that randy savage not only deserves the, the to go into the hall of fame but he deserves his hall of fame nomination to be front and center over the ultimate warrior now in the ultimate warrior's case you kind of build off of him and allegedly hogan is going to induct him into the hall of fame we'll see you know we'll see how that goes and, um, you know, Jay says, oh, so Warrior should have waited. No, not that Warrior should have waited, but I just feel that a lot of people that want Savage in there as the next guy are really doing themselves a disservice. Savage needs to go in there on his own. Quark says Savage won't go in till like, the dude's entire family gets in. You know, it's funny that that, that was a rumor that went around for a long time that the genius uh, wanted, you know, their family to go in and that's what Randy Savage wanted. That's always up for debate. I do feel that Savage's nomination needs to be its own its own entity. Putting the Ultimate Warrior in there, I have no problem with that. I don't. If you're going to put the Ultimate Warrior in there, you got to you obviously got to put Savage, you got to put in Jake the Snake. There's countless guys that haven't gone in that should go in, but the Ultimate Warrior's nomination works from a couple of different standpoints that some people may not have talked about. Obviously, the Ultimate Warriors Hall of Fame nomination was a guarantee when he was selected for WWE 2K14. When they started when they started building up that hype machine for him being in 2K14, I knew he was going to be in the Hall of Fame. And you can go back to shows around that time and you'll see that I said that. The whole point is the guy had a, a bad relationship with the WWE. They kind of squashed their beef. And that was probably one of the the nuggets that they kind of put out there. Hey, man, you know, we want to put you in the Hall of Fame. Let's kind of settle things out. And that's the way it goes. In Randy Savage's case, it's it's a Vince thing. Whatever Vince's issue is with Savage, if the rumors are to be believed or not, the fact is that Savage should be in there. Simple as that. But, again, there's there's countless guys, like, like Jay just said, I could count 10 dudes who could have went in before Warrior. And I agree. There are plenty of other guys that should have gone in, but you got to think about... You got to think about the fact that you have to build your Hall of Fame ceremony around the one main guy, whether it's Ric Flair, whether it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, whoever it is, that's your your main guy. That's the guy that people are going to tune in to see. And I'm sorry, but as much as people say the the Ultimate Warrior is overrated or isn't overrated, the fact is that you want to see him with a live mic. You want to see that. Because it's just, it's gonna, it's, it's, that's what I wanna see above all else when, when he comes out there to accept his nomination. Are we gonna get a crazy Ultimate Warrior promo? Or are we just gonna get a, yeah, you know, we've had our differences, you know, I'm glad to be a Hall of Famer? Who knows? It's, it's gonna be insanity. And that's what's gonna really bring, bring that whole thing full circle for me. It's like, yeah, there's a dozen guys I would have put in there beforehand. But the fact is that Warrior, Warriors, he's he's a he's a cult icon. He's he's a guy that that when he comes out, it's funny because when I was when I was talking about it with my wife, she said that they should set it up that he runs down to accept his his uh, Hall of Fame ring like like his wrestling entrance. It would have been it would have been bananas just him running out. You have rings set up around the around the podium for when he accepts his award. It would have been insanity. But that's what I'm saying, like. You could say, "Oh, Jake the Snake should go in." You'd get no arguments from me. But in terms of getting people to tune in, to get people to check it out, The Ultimate Warrior's nomination makes sense. Now, in terms of of his his accolades and his matches, he's got a lot of great matches. I mean, his match with Savage was one of my favorite matches. Probably that and his match with Hogan um at WrestleMania 6 were were favorites of mine. It would have been insane. To see either one of those. And it's funny because Warrior actually said that he may he may have one more match in him. Which listen, Ultimate Warrior having a match on national television, I don't think it's gonna work. But it would be hilarious if like Ryback did an open challenge and Warrior ran down there and killed Ryback dead. It, it would be funny. I'd love to see that. But there's you know everybody's gonna have their they're guys that they want to see in the Hall of Fame. I have, like I said, I I want to see Savage in there. I it has to happen, and he's he's probably the guy that I would mark out more for than the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the Ultimate Warrior, um, but it's you know I, I Savage I'd love to see in there. Santi says a lot of great matches, two two good matches. That's it. No, he's got he's got some good ones his match. He's got the uh the Honky Tonk Man match, his match with Rick Rude, um Warrior and Hogan, uh him and him and um Macho King. You you have a couple of matches. Look, we're always going to have debates about who should be in the Hall of Fame. But when you look back at the wrestlers from our childhood, most of the guys are in there. Nikolai Volkov, Junkyard Dog, uh you know, Rick Rude's got to go Rick Rick Rude is in there, I believe. You know, Jake the Snake, Tito Santana, uh, Coco Beware, Dusty Rhodes. Think about it. You go back to 80s wrestling, and you think of all these guys, you're going to see that almost all those guys are in the Hall of Fame minus a select few. And and J.J.'s making a strong argument about how the Ultimate Warrior sucks. And listen, everybody's entitled to, to their opinion, including our staff, I just feel that if you're gonna build it around an old timer and you're trying to you're trying to get that guy to promote your product, it's gotta be Ultimate Warrior. And and Quark makes another point. Drew Carey's in the Hall of Fame. It's true. Drew Carey, uh Pete Rose. Pete Rose, I believe, is in the Hall of Fame. Allegedly, they want to induct a match into the Hall of Fame for the first time, which is gonna be um Hogan, Mr. T Piper, and I believe uh Mr. Wonderful. They want to induct that match in there, which if they do that, it'd be cool to see Mr. T go into the Hall of Fame. That was, you know, that's that's a match we all remember, for you know, especially those of us that are 80s babies. I'd love to see that. But, you know, this is something we're going to debate for, for the coming weeks as we see more nominations come in. Rick Root isn't in the Hall of Fame, right, Jay? See, I, I had a feeling he wasn't. Rick Rude should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know... If if anything, for his rivalries with Jake the Snake, which were fucking legendary, I'd love to see that. But, again, we have years upon years upon years to see these guys go in there. So, hopefully, all of us get our our favorite wrestlers in the Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. So, the next match on Monday Night Raw was Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston. Now, obviously, this match was set up by Corporate Kane, and everybody's like, oh, it's going to be a squash match. First, I was surprised that Kofi Kingston got the pin. Super surprised. And um, when they showed John Cena's father earlier in the evening, you knew John Cena's dad was getting his ass whooped. As soon as I see a family member for a wrestler in the audience, they're either going to get verbally abused, physically abused, depending on who it is, but something bad is going to happen. And if we already know that Cena and Orton are pretty much at odds, if his dad was shown in the audience, you knew it was coming. As soon as they showed his dad earlier on in the evening, I'm like, yep, I know where that's going. And, you know, Randy Orton came and and beat up John Cena's dad. You know for a fact that next week John Cena's going to come out all piss and vinegar. You beat up my dad, blah, blah, blah. You made it personal, blah, blah, blah. Come on, we all know where it's going. So the Rhodes brothers took on uh in a match that was pretty much as academic as you would have expected, uh, primarily because nobody gives a fuck about Ryback with Curtis Axel. Ryback is starting to become an enigma all his own. I think he's borrowing ideas from the Ultimate Warrior, just his crazy um, tweets that he deletes, um, all his veiled madness, all his crazy things. I think people were saying that that were at the main event tapings, that he would just come out and walk around the ring and leave. Just really, really weird shit with Ryback. And it's funny because a lot of a lot of websites are reporting that he's just felt fallen out of favor with management, with his fellow wrestlers. He's in a very weird, weird place. And it's funny because. You know, Val is saying Ryback versus Warrior. The fact is that they want to get Ryback and Goldberg. And allegedly the problem is that they, you know, Goldberg wants a fuckload of money. And I'm sure Goldberg wants to go over. Sure, it would be cool if it was Ryback and Warrior, but I think that the problem is with a match like that, that you kind of have to give it to Warrior just because, you know, you got the guy in there, you've squashed your beef with him. I'd love to see Ryback and Goldberg in a decent match. It's going to happen, whether it happens now or a year from now. The fact is, Goldberg back in the WWE is it's going to happen. It's just money. It's just money. And Jay says, WWE lets the American Wolves walk away but keeps Ryback and his dumbass trolling. Fuck you. And, and you know, it's funny, and I'm glad you brought that up because Ryback, everybody forgets that even if Ryback is out there tweeting and doing all this shit, management knows what all their wrestlers are doing on Twitter. And And if management hasn't said anything, it's happening you know it it, it it management is probably on board with ryback's trolling gimmick right now i think that's all management feeding that in there and um it is what it is i mean ryback has put out some crazy tweets you know some real inflammatory remarks i think he said something about jerry lawler's ex-wife uh just just crazy things and nobody cares it's not like ryback is doing anything on tv uh, of note anyway if he's on if he's on twitter doing dumb shit Whatever. What What are you gonna say? So, Rey Mysterio took on Alberto Del Rio in a match that pretty much I knew was gonna end as expected. Number one because they always like to re- they always like to remind us that Rey Mysterio and Batista were were best friends, but also uh, Del Rio pretty much cut a, a really crazy, a really shitty Spanish Spanish promo talking about how he's gonna kick uh, Batista's ass, and it was weird because it's like you know he didn't say. The voya patear el culo, he was like the voya patear El trasero, which was just it's almost like you're saying you're going to kick him in the butthole. it was it was weird, and you know, we were laughing about that. I know Jay, Jay was laughing about that as well when he translated it and put it on the fan page. and I uh, look, if you're going to bring Batista back and have him feud with anybody, let it be anybody other than Del Rio. Del Rio is fucking boring. Like, I couldn't even root for Del Rio in a situation like that. Like, even if I hated Batista, even if I hated him to death, I'd rather he whoop Del Rio's ass than me see Del Rio on TV. And, there, yeah, Batista versus Ryback. Like, if it was Ryback kind of baiting Batista, I wouldn't mind that because he could be like, yeah, you know, your time has come and gone. You know, I'm the new animal. I'm the new animal here. You know, you got to come and take the, your spot for me. Like, that would have been more effective. To have Del Rio out there, oh, blah, 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 I'm going to kick your ass. You know, it is what it is. Batista versus Lesnar is going to happen. Definitely going to happen, Val. That's, that's, a, that's a no-brainer. But um, I, the, the thing that kills me is that you're trying to get Del Rio to be relevant, and you're, you're trying to get him relevant uh, with a guy that whether you love or hate Batista, when you hear that guitar riff, when you hear that entrance... You know it's game on. It, you know it, it it's a problem. And you know, the video packages every week trying to trying to get shit hype, trying to get the people popping. It's, you know, it's crazy when you hear that guitar riff and and, and as soon as it drops Monday night, people are going to go crazy. Whether you love or hate Batista, you just you just get hype because you look at the guy and you're like, "Oh, this dude is is a wrestler. This is the guy. This is the guy that I want there." you know to to be on my television right now and that's what people don't understand like you want to see these guys and when you look at certain guys yeah th- there's always going to be the whole oh you know Vince likes the big jack dudes and all this stuff but the fact is that you want to see that you want you want to see those larger than life personalities and Batista Batista's one of them don't get me wrong he talks a lot of shit and he's really high on himself but you know you got you got a You got some good stuff, you know? You got some good stuff there. But we'll see what happens. Monday, Monday's the big day. It's the moment of truth. And we'll see what happens and how Batista gets used. Of course, the big one, Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt and the Usos in a fantastic, fantastic match. But the point of that match wasn't just the fact that it was a solid match between two solid tag teams. It was the ending of that match that made Raw memorable. It was it was it was not only the fact that that they kind of closed the door on the Daniel Bryan Bray Wyatt alliance, but it was the fact that Daniel Bryan proved without a shadow of a doubt that he is probably the most over guy in the company. Period. I think, you know, Creative had no idea what they wanted to do with this. Vince was like, oh, you know, put Daniel Bryan in the Wyatt family. Okay, great. Like I said, if they would have done something where he was going to destroy them from within, that could have worked. But it was it was just very very fast. It ended out su- it, w- it ended very quickly. But it was it was the ending, the ending. And I want you guys to hear this pop. And the thing that gets me is like even me playing this on the show doesn't capture the magnitude of what went down. Doesn't capture the magnitude of it. But check this out. So, Daniel Bryan is about to start, scu- start fighting with Bray Wyatt. Crowd is going super electric right now. And when, when they start exchanging blows, it is without a doubt super electric. When Daniel Bryan takes off the, the onesie, the, Bray, the Wyatt family onesie, it's, it's ridiculous. Check this out. after he hit him with the running knee now check out this post-match celebration listen to this pop You know, it's it's funny because Quark feels that just because they didn't make it go longer than it was, that there was still an end game. It just came sooner rather than later. It was the best shit ever. I literally shed a tear. It was that good. And you know, it's it's funny. I think in in this case, you gotta look at it from two from two different standpoints. From the main the main standpoint, I think that management just wanted to do something with Daniel Bryan. And the Wyatt family just presented themselves in a way that they much like Daniel Bryan were treading water. When they were teasing the the Wyatt family shield feud, that was probably the most that they had to do with the Wyatt family. The Wyatt family are in, in pretty much in the same boat as Daniel Bryan is where they have so much going for them but you don't know what to do with them. In the Wyatt family's case, obviously you can you can give um, bray wyatt the you know a second tier belt you can give the 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 two minions the tag team titles but if you're not moving those guys into that into that area they're you know they're they're just there taking up space Daniel bryan unfortunately is you know vince he he's he's in that vince category where vince just doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that he can carry he can carry the company he can Quark says he feels that the Wyatt's are more over now than before. Bray is a fucking psycho and a future main event player. I agree. But the Wyatt's were only over because they found something to do with them. You know what I mean? Like, like the problem is like if they didn't put those two th- those two guys that are treading water together, they would have just continued to tread water. What are you gonna do with Daniel Bryan? Make him feud with the shield for another for another ten minutes? You know, like like every week, we're gonna get more ten minute matches with the Shield. It's 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 that's the that's where kind of we we fall into that that very very strange booking scenario where they figured, oh, we'll do this, we'll put them in there, and then the end game is gonna be the match with Bray Wyatt. That's that's pretty much it. That's where the end game is gonna be. We're probably gonna get that at the Rumble, and if anything, maybe they'll take the other two and give them a run with the tag team titles. But in Bray Wyatt's case, what are you gonna do? After that, you know, what are you going to do after the Daniel Bryan feud? Quark says that the Wyatts don't need gold. They need to be a creepy cult. They do, but you know what it is? There needs to be some sort of, you have to say, you have to look at it like this. The belts are a symbol of power. The Wyatt family can grab those belts and use them as kind of as trophies, as the fact that they run this company. And, and that's, you know, that, that's, that's where they can go with it. Like not every guy that holds the belt has to utilize it as as a as a championship. Sometimes it's a prop. Sometimes it's just you know the the old the old saying where the champion is the guy that runs the company. You know, like think about it. Like when you look at at guys that get the belts in TNA, they feel that they have the run of the company with the belts. The Wyatt family can get the belts, even if it's the the secondary and the tag team belts and and kind of make a name for themselves because they end up becoming targets. And you can actually have some solid matches just off the fact that they don't want these guys as the faces of their organization. That's a way to even bring it full circle and make them anti-heroes. That the that the WWE doesn't want them to be the faces of their organization because they're they're weird or they don't fit um they don't fit the WWE model. Same way that they're doing with Daniel Bryan. I think that that, that's a good way to take the the Wyatt family and do something more with them. I mean, right now, the, the, the feud with Daniel Bryan, think about it. All right, maybe Daniel Bryan will take on, you know, Luke Harper one week, Eric Rowan the next week, Bray Wyatt at the pay-per-view. Then what? You know what I mean? What happens to Daniel Bryan at that point? Like, it was, you know, it was just weird. Jay says it was weird to see them with the straps in NXT. It didn't fit their persona. Yeah, it didn't fit their persona, but it gave them a level of control. You know what I mean? Like, like again, like the belts aren't always looked at as championships. They're also looked at as keys to power in an organization, depending on who you have as champion. That's how it's looked at. Like, think about it. Randy Orton walks around with the two belts. He feels that he can, he can make decisions for the company because he is their champion. Same rules apply. You can use something like that, just twist it a little bit to fall in line with the Wyatt's motivations. I like the guys. I think that they have tremendous potential as, as a unit. The only problem is that there, there's instances where if you don't put them in a meaningful feud, they just, they just take up space. That's really it. They just take up space. Now, Quark says that the Wyatt should bring back the hardcore belts and just kill kids dead. Sure, I mean that. That's all. That's well. That's all well and good. But again, you still need to give them meaningful feuds. The only way that these guys get over is by people talking about the feuds that they've had. Like when you talk about Daniel Bryan, everybody's like, "Oh, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk would be a tremendous feud because that's the feud that people want to remember." It's weird with the Wyatt's because they're 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 so, their gimmick is so good that they just haven't found the right person to feud with them. Like the like when the Undertaker was got taken out, I thought it was going to be the Wyatt's taking out the Undertaker, not the Shield. Like that's that's kind of where I was I was I was going with it. I felt that the Undertaker should have been taken out by the Wyatt's just because you would have done more with the Undertaker and the Wyatt's than the Shield taking out the Undertaker because what are you going to do? The Undertaker's going to come back. Wrestle Seth Rollins, Wrestle Dean Ambrose, Wrestle Roman Reigns. And then move on. If, you even, if you're even going to acknowledge that. I mean you can. And, you know, and use that as something when he comes back. To kind of get him ready for Mania. But other than that. I always felt that the Wyatt should have been the guys. To take out the Undertaker. That, that's all I'm saying. Anyway. So Raw this week was, was very very solid. I was thoroughly impressed with Raw. I really felt that it was, it was two weeks of just good. Good wrestling. Uh, great storytelling, and uh, hopefully the momentum continues. Of course, the WWE network was shilled like you wouldn't believe. It was shilled everywhere, and I have no problems with that because that's what they got to do. Um, you know, it was it was funny to me that you know you take you take these guys. I felt that the that the whole Wyatt Bryan thing probably could have gone on gone on another week or so. Jay says uh reader made an observation where corporate Kane set that match up. Then Brian goes over meaning team hell no still lives. You never know. Could that, that could always be it. It could, it could be Kane helping out his buddy. It was, it was very strange that he said, Hey, I have the key, you know, and that Harper and Rowan weren't allowed in the match. You never know. It could have been a whole, a whole deep plot, but that would involve creative actually being creative. Just saying. Anyway, Let's get into the other wrestling news for this week, which there, there were there were a couple of interesting news items that needed to be discussed. Uh, first and foremost, of course, Vince is... Um, they were asking Vince about the WWE Network in an interview he did with the LA Times. They asked him why they didn't want to launch the WWE Network as a traditional cable channel, and he explained that if he would have, that they would have been paid 20 cents a subscriber, and that the deal would have been too restrictive. When asked about... Um, Uh, pay-per-view distributors dropping the WWE product, Vince said the following, I think it'd be foolish for them not to want to carry the pay-per-views anymore. It's found money for them. Now, here's a very interesting thing, and I'm shocked about this. Cable companies wanted to pay Vince $0.20 a subscriber. Just think about that, $0.20 a subscriber. Now, let's look at it from the standpoint of console owners, um, Apple TV owners... The number of people that are going to subscribe to the network at 20 cents a subscriber if they would have done it through a cable channel versus the nine ninety nine that WWE is getting directly, it's, it's insane for, for, for them to have gone the cable route. I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, but they could have just made a channel. What, for them to make 20 cents a subscriber and then for the cable company to make more money in the back end? Not so much. Think about this. Microsoft, Sony, Apple, they all win with the, with the WWE network. Because if you think about it, for Xbox Live, you gotta have Xbox Gold. Once you have that, you get the network. In PlayStation's case, they'll probably give them, they'll, they'll probably let you watch the network without needing PlayStation Plus. But if not, that's a win win for them. Now when you look at Apple, Roku, all those companies they're going to get your money because you're going to buy the hardware or you have bought the hardware already. So, in Apple TV's case, you already bought a $90 Apple TV or you bought a $60 Roku box or you bought a $35 Chromecast if they go that route. Same thing with your phone. You're you're already paying the phone company for data. So, at the end of the day, it's a win-win for every provider. And again, it's the it's the reinvention of content consumption that matters. Vince McMahon isn't going to make 20 cents a subscriber when he can make 9.99. Simple as that. It's it's foolish. As for as for cable companies dropping pay-per-views, it is true. It's a, it's a it's a it's found money for them. But what's going to happen is people are going to become more susceptible to paying 9.99 and getting all the pay-per-views they want for 12 months. For you know, for a lousy hundred and twenty dollars versus seven hundred seven hundred plus dollars on pay per views every every month for a year, that's the thing that gets me. If you do if you do sixty dollars a month and at twelve months that's seven hundred and twenty dollars, you save six hundred dollars by paying ten bucks a month, and you get all the pay per views plus all the content you want, including the on demand. Vince Vince is a smart businessman, but what he ended up creating out of this was a Pandora's box that when it opens is going to hurt the cable companies. And Quark makes a valid point, and it's true. Vince makes more cash because people who would never buy a pay-per-view are now buying the network. I agree. Not only that, but here's the best part. They put the kibosh on piracy. Because think about it. Why are you going to look for an, Ill- an illegal stream when you can just pay 10 $10. You know, like, that's like, that's the thing that people, we were talking about this at work and it's like, I know a lot of guys, they'll be like, Hey man, where can I get a stream? And you, and you got to tell those people, dude, you don't got $10. You don't got 10 fucking bucks for a month. You don't got $10. Like, that's the kind of thing. Like WWE, it's a one, two punch. They reinvented the medium and they really curb stomped illegal streaming Because why would you want to illegally stream and risk getting in trouble with your provider or with anybody else when you can just pay the $10? You're going to get raw replays. You're going to get NXT. You're going to get original programming and the pay-per-views. This is is bigger than just the WWE Network. This is HBO Go becoming a, a service where you pay $10 a month. This is better programming from Hulu. This is better programming from Netflix. This is the UFC stepping their game up for the fight app. This this is going to put a big dent into, the, into cable companies because the customer is going to take their money elsewhere and enjoy the product on their terms. It's huge. The Nature Boy is in the news this week because he has an outstanding warrant in North Carolina due to failing to pay $33,000 in legal fees and child support to his recent ex-wife, Jacqueline. That Ric Flair, as you've seen, has been in different places, including uh, Tampa, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, but nowhere near North Carolina. According to what they're saying, the charge is a misdemeanor, but if Flair gets arrested, he cannot be released from prison until he pays the $33,000. The warrant pretty much calls for Ric Flair's immediate arrest, with the stipulation being that he cannot be released until the complete amount he owes is paid off. That's probably why Ric Flair isn't attending the Carolina Panthers game. Um, you know, why he didn't attend that. It's it's crazy because, you know, you got Ric Flair out there just owing people money, yet he's on WWE television. It's like, what the fuck does Ric Flair do with all his dough? I mean, I know he's got like 12 ex-wives and shit, but but damn, dude, you, you didn't pay thirty three grand, and you got a warrant out? <sighs> and you know what's funny? I, I'd love to be the cop that arrests Ric Flair, because imagine that you arrest Ric Flair and you're like, you're like, dude, you're the nature boy. And he's like, yeah, brother, you know, the, the the wife is hitting me up for child support. Like how, how could you, if you're a cop and a wrestling fan, how weird would it be to like arrest Ric Flair? And then you get a, a, you know, your trademark Ric Flair mugshot, which I'm sure if you, if you're a wrestling fan, you've seen countless Ric Flair mugshots. It's just insane. You know, $33,000. Um, right now, you know, Ric Flair has been living with his girlfriend, because you know, Ric Flair has a, another girlfriend, which he may or may not marry. It's I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Jay says, "Are we sure Ric Flair is not from Harlem? What was that racist? It's not even that. It's just it, race has nothing to do with the fact that Ric Flair's out there styling and profiling, taking chicks on Space Mountain, wifing them up, and then not paying." And then they break up with him because they realize he's fucking insane. Like, I guarantee you, he's got his... his Whatever girlfriend it is, she's laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep. Ric Flair comes in with his big, lavish Ric Flair robe. And he's like, I took some Viagra, baby. Let's go on a ride on Space Mountain. Come on. Ric Flair eats, sleeps, and breathes his gimmick. He was actually in the... Uh, when they had the ultimate the, the UFC card this past week... Rick Flair was there and he was on TV. They kept showing him all the time. People were wooing in the crowd. It's like the guy, the guy's a legend and he just has no money. No money. Like he has to pay off like nine different chicks. It's insane. It is truly insane that Rick Flair for 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 as much of an impact as he's had in the business, it's like, you know, it's <laughs> These guys in the chat, oh man, Strider! Anyone who says woo when they climax, bell should be going off. (laughs) I'm sure he does that. Ric Flair lives his gimmick, lives it. And yes, Ric Flair hashtag hard times. Indeed, it's true. Like how how do how are you back paid thirty three thousand dollars and you're a two time Hall of Famer? You walk into a room and you get a freaking five thousand dollar appearance fee or more. Are you crazy? But that's, like I said, it's 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 just poor business decisions from Ric Flair that have done him in over the years. That's why he's going to come out there and elbow drop his his jacket in the ring until he's dead. And I think even when he's dead, zombie Ric Flair is going to come out. And, and, you know, they're going to zombie Ric Flair his ass out there and, and do shit with him. Because that's pretty much where he is. Ric Flair is going to be Katie Vick in 10 years. Ric Flair in a casket. It, come on. Really, dude? It's like... It, quark rick flair looks so sad in his mug shot it's making me sad <laughs> rick flair has so many different mug shots dude if you really took your time and found all the different mugshots, you just say to yourself dude you stay getting arrested you stay getting into some bullshit and it's crazy i think one one of his arrests he got into a fight with his daughter and her boyfriend or some shit and i think he got beat up by his daughter and he got arrested for that it was Ah, poor Ric Flair. So, last week we were talking about the departure of Caitlyn, which I'm sure Jay Santee is still shedding a tear for. Um, it seems that her departure is is something that's been contemplated for quite a few months. Uh, they're saying that he uh, that she was really not happy and wanted to get out of her contract quite a while back, but they told her to stick around. They had some 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 plans for her. And then all of a sudden, poof, nothing. So she opted out of her contract. And I believe she started a clothing line called Celestial Bodies, which is a, um, I believe it's a fitness clothing line. You guys can look it up. It's uh, I think it's Bodies, B-O-D-I-E-Z. Celestial Bodies, of course, her name being Celeste. Um, that's supposed to be um, her her clothing line. I don't know what the deal is with that. Uh, What they're saying is that she's not going to wrestle on the indies, but that she's going to do personal appearances and uh, stuff like that. I think she is the, um, Caitlin is the new Ashley Massaro. Do you guys remember Ashley Massaro was the anti-diva at the time? And she, she just became a complete head case, left the company, branched out on her own. And when I see her now, she's pretty much, you know, here's a signed autograph for 10 bucks. Jay said, oh my god, don't say that. Dude, think about it. Like, Caitlyn didn't stick around. They didn't do anything with her. She left. Okay, she's going to launch her clothing line. Alright, fine. What else is she going to do? If she's not wrestling on the independents, what is she going to do? Clearly, she's not interested in wrestling on the independent. So, what is she going to do? Personal appearances? That's what Ashley Massaro does. Personal appearances. She doesn't wrestle. She just shows up at Comic Con has her little table with a couple of Playboy pictures and some WWE pictures. She usually wears the same pink plaid skirt that she always wears. Some, you know, you know, some some tube top from Target and her and her Trucker Van Dutch von Dutch hat and that's it. And then 25 bucks for a photo. I kid you not. No disrespect, but that's that's what it is. All these girls that leave the business, unless they're they they really got something good going for them. There, there's not much else that they end up doing. Like, I went to Comic-Con and I saw, I met Molly Holly. Slick was, was with me at the time and my wife was with me at the time. Molly Holly, a sweetheart, very nice, very nice lady, super cool. Uh, she said she's a missionary, um, going out there, you know, doing doing things, helping the poor, but not wrestling, but still, collecting, collecting 25 bucks. Collecting 25 bucks for, for, her, for her autograph. Very nice. I kind of felt bad that we had like a 15 minute conversation and I didn't buy a photo, but what can you do? Then, uh, Lillian Garcia, Lillian Garcia is awesome. You know, she's She, she actually gave me one of her CDs and she signed it, which was pretty cool. And she was very nice. Um, slick and I, and, and my wife met her as well. But again, if she's not out there, you know, if she's not out there doing intros, you're not exactly, buy, you know, running to the store to buy a Lillian Garcia CD. Don't get me wrong, the song was very good, but you're not jumping out of your skin to buy, to buy a, you know, a CD from Lillian Garcia. And that's what I'm saying. A lot of these women, ladies, they leave the business, and unless they got something ironclad, they either do appearances where they charge an arm and a leg, like uh, Kelly Kelly, who from what I've heard charges $5,000 just to show up all I'm saying look at Kelly Kelly she leaves all this stuff what are you doing what is Kelly Kelly doing that is making her more successful than when she was in the WWE please tell me please let me know because Stacey Keebler is another one she left everybody thought she was going to be this big star all she did was pretty much she was you know George Clooney's fuck trophy and that was it what is has what is Stacy Keebler done since leaving the company Seriously, what has she done? Like, Lita, she left, she has a band, she, you know, she, she's, you know, she's she's well off for what she is, and she does her, her appearances for WWE, but that's it. Yeah, she did Dancing with the Stars. Whoopty fucking do. Didn't Webster do Dancing with the Stars too? Come on. <laughs> Seriously. But But think about it. Think about all the chicks that leave the company on their own terms what are they doing what are they doing that's paying them more money now than wrestling was like beth phoenix she left on her own on her own terms you know she she's she's a very good artist uh, she's worked with um with the guys from headlocked very cool china china's a great example china leaves becomes a complete lunatic does some porno movies she was she hulk in a, in a, in, a, in a terrible terrible avengers porno but um still what are they doing what are these divas doing outside of the company that's so great and is so and is so profitable versus them wrestling that's all i'm saying like it's different with let look at a uh let's take victoria she went to tna she did very well for herself she opened up a, a wrestling themed restaurant she, I think, also does. Uh, she has an auto body shop, so you know she she did good things with her money. She's she's an entrepreneur, and there's always a door open for her to come back to to WWE or TNA. But again, she's one of the few. I I really I'm curious, and and you guys in the chat can help me with this. What diva do you know other than Victoria and Trish Stratus that have been successful after leaving the business? I'm curious. Please, please let me know. Anyway. So the next bit of news, obviously, this t shirt I'm wearing, my Heyman guy t shirt, is because, of course, the ECW mastermind himself will be getting his own WWE DVD. Uh Jim Ross mentioned it in his latest blog. Um Paul Heyman also teased it on his website, Heyman Hustle. I'm very curious to see what they're gonna do with Paul Heyman's story because there's so many different layers from from all the ECW issues to his run with WWE to his work with Creative there's so much you want to talk about with Paul Heyman that I don't I don't even know if you can do him justice with one DVD like it's going to have to be like a three disc set covering every aspect and every facet of his career because Paul Heyman for as much as people you know shit on him and and all his financial dealings with ECW. The fact is that when it comes to the to the business of wrestling, Paul Heyman is the fucking man period. And Jim Ross, who of course is no longer with the company was actually contacted to be a part of this DVD. So that alone is going to be, it's going to be insane. Jay's analogy. I like if you open the mind of Paul Heyman, uh, a wrestling nuclear weapon will be exposed. It's true. Paul Heyman's mind this guy he can find the the, uh, the smallest smidge of talent in some of these guys and create stars. look at just incredible look at Rhino uh, Mike awesome Taz if you remember when Taz, if you remember Taz he wrestled as the Tasmaniac which was pretty much the equivalent of a giant Gonzalez costume with fur on it. I kid you not um, Slick if you could punch up the Tazmaniac. On 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 and put an image in the chat room, people people are gonna be tripped out when they see that, you know, Mickey Whip, M- Mikey Whipwreck, thank you, Jay, definitely another guy, uh, Tajiri, another guy, he put the cruiserweights on the map, uh, Dean Malenko, uh, Chris Benoit, Pegasus Kid, who when when he broke Sabu's neck, he earned the moniker of the Crippler. Um, let's talk about. Hayabusa, the flaming Phoenix, him and uh, Jinsei Shinzaki taking on Rob Van Dam and Sabu, Chris Jericho, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Shane Douglas, the late Chris Candido, uh, the Sandman, the Pitbulls, Bulls, uh, the Dudley Boys, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, Terry Funk. Come on, you can go down the list of so many great guys that he was that he was involved with and it would make your head spin so many guys and and for and for you to sit there and say something like oh you know those guys those guys were always going to be famous that's right they were going to be famous but they were also Heyman guys all of them Heyman guys Paul Heyman sees something in these in, in these wrestlers that, that creative and management doesn't notice. He saw it in CM Punk. You know, he saw it in Brock Lesnar. He sees it in countless individuals. And, and sure, you can say some negative things about Paul Heyman. But Paul Heyman was one of the few guys I remember that made me give a fuck about Al Snow. Al Snow. The blue meanie. Why would anybody give a fuck about the blue meanie? Heyman made it work. Raven. You look at Raven. You know, Raven was tremendous. Stevie Richards. Thank you, Jay. I mean, you know, I actually interviewed him. Michael Manna. Michael Manna is a, not only is he a techie, um, he's also a gamer, but he also has his show, which is the T4 show. If you guys want to check it out, definitely a solid show. Um, he still goes out and wrestles. He's a, he's a ass dude, super cool. Um, definitely one of the guys that I like talking to a lot is is Stevie Richards. But seriously, so many different guys that Paul Heyman had a had a had a had a handprint on their careers. So many, it, 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 the list is endless. If you guys remember when Heyman was running SmackDown and you had the SmackDown Six, and it was Edge, Benoit, Kurt Angle, Ray Mysterio. Uh, Christian, I believe, and I think it was Chavo also, just the SmackDown 6, just running shop. Every night, people would tune into SmackDown, and it would just be night after night, match after match, just great storytelling. And I always say that Vince Vince keeps Paul Heyman around because he knows that if Paul Heyman went someplace else, that he would start making people be interested in the product. And and I'm curious, and 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 you guys can answer this or not, if Paul Heyman went to TNA, what would you what would you would TNA be a would TNA be a better product? And if so, would TNA be on par with WWE? I think from a financial standpoint, they got the backing. From a creative standpoint, you need a guy like Heyman to tell these stories. That's all I'm saying. Jay says Heyman would take an hour show and pack it with nonstop action. It's true. It really is. But I am, I'm definitely, I'm definitely pumped to see, um, a Paul Heyman DVD. Like I said, one of the reasons why I'm wearing my Heyman guy, uh, t shirt. Of course, WWE is our sponsor for our wrestling segment, WWE Make sure to check out all the banners on the site for WWE shop. Click those, buy some merch, helps us out. Just saying they are, uh, uh a proud MTR advertiser, and that's, that's not bullshit. I actually have a, uh, Uh, an agreement with them to uh, put the ads on the site. So there you have it. (laughs) Anyway, let's get the uh, pay-per-view schedule out of the way that was released this past weekend. I actually wrote some of the dates down, but I got the complete uh, listing from F4W Online. You guys can check it out. Uh, Royal Rumble, of course, January 26th. Uh, Elimination Chamber is February 23rd. WrestleMania is April 6th. Extreme Rules is May 4th. Payback is June 1st. Money in the Bank is June 29th. Battleground is July 20th. So in June, we get two pay per views SummerSlam, August 17th. Night of Champions, September 21st. Hell in the Cell is October 26th. Survivor Series is November 23rd. And TLC is December 14th. So get your uh, WWE network. Ready and ready to rock and roll with WrestleMania Extreme Rules. From from WrestleMania 30 on, you're gonna get your money's worth because let each pay per view one two three four five ten. So ten pay per views at sixty dollars a pop, six hundred dollars nine ninety nine. That's a you know you get right there. That's a hundred dollar commitment easily. So you're saving five hundred dollars either way you slice it. So. That's the uh, remaining pay-per-views all the way through 2014. Make your notes about it. For those of you that are kind of bummed that you're not getting the Royal Rumble or the el- Elimination Chamber, it doesn't bother me in the least. On the contrary, re- getting WrestleMania for 10 bucks is more important than <laughs> getting the Elimination Chamber, which happens, of course, February 23rd conveniently. Um you know, it is what it is. That a couple of people were actually pissed off about that. Some of my coworkers were like, "You know, it's kind of shitty they didn't launch the network and give you the elimination chamber. Why?" Like don't get me wrong, sure I'd watch it, but why? I'd rather they get all the bugs worked out and I can enjoy WrestleMania for $10 versus the elimination chamber. Just saying. CNBC is not a fan of the WWE network. They actually put out a very interesting uh article called called The WWE is going to belly flop. Pretty much what they said is that um you know, they 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 for all intents and purposes pretty much shit on the network saying that it's going to hurt them in the long run uh because you know, they're going to they're going to lose out on mainstream television deals. I think that net, all the networks um all the networks complaining about the WWE Network are just mad that they're, that they're losing revenue. Because even if US, in USA's case, USA is going to pay a fuckload of money because they're going to want to keep WWE programming considering that it's the number one rated show Monday nights. No network is going to want to give up a number one slot for that reason. Just saying. Anyway, on some TNA news, and I know Jay's going to love this, uh, PW Insider's reporting that TNA released Jay Bradley, and they also allegedly released Wes Briscoe. Also, there's a rumor saying that they've uh, released Garrett Bischoff as well. So, um, look. (laughs) Jay just wrote who. Jay Bradley, I kind of felt that, I don't know if he was he was just poorly booked. I didn't give a shit about that guy. Wes Briscoe. I you know it's funny because you know he's the son of Hall of Famer Jerry Briscoe. I really thought that he would have cut his his teeth in NXT. I'm sure he'll probably end up in NXT at some point. The guy, the guy wasn't a bad worker. I think you know if you marketed him right, you could do something with him. Definitely, the Aces and Eight Angle didn't do him any favors. So you know it. it you could probably do something with him down the road. You got to kind of wash off the aces and eight stench from him. So what do you, what can you do? I think, um, Garrett Bischoff though, is interesting because what are you going to do with him at this point? Do you, do you have him go on the independence and maybe have him come into NXT? Is there going to be resentment from other superstars? It's, it's weird. Garrett Bischoff. and, And you know, what's funny I I hated Garrett Bischoff, but I do admire the fact that he, that he tried to put in work to become a better wrestler. I felt that the spot was handed to him, but I think that he made the most of the situation by being semi-decent in the ring. I don't, you know, I think, I think he grew out his hair and he's Brad Maddox. I think him and Brad Maddox are the same guy, but you never see them in the same place at the same time. Just saying. No, I, I, I kid you not. Um, it's it's one of those things where Brad Maddox, when, if and when he decides to wrestle, you could probably swap him, put Garrett Bischoff in his place, and you wouldn't tell the difference because there's that smarmy douchebag uh, presentation that Garrett Bischoff pretty much has, has in his DNA from his old man. So if you had to swap out Brad Maddox and put Garrett Bischoff in, I doubt anybody could tell the difference. Just saying. I think people have been very, very concerned and WWE is very concerned with the fact that Daniel Bryan allegedly uh, suffered a concussion during Raw. Uh, from what they're saying, he did not remember most of the match. Um, obviously, the uh, the WWE spokespersons have confirmed that he did suffer a concussion. The extent of it right now is, is unknown. I'm sure we're going to hear more about it in the coming days. Uh, very, very... Crazy, crazy time if, if Daniel Bryan has a serious concussion only because he has this incredible wave of momentum right now. Um, hopefully it's nothing too serious. And as always, we will keep you guys updated uh, in, in the coming weeks with, with that. I think probably if it's nothing too serious, he'll probably have no no matches for the next two weeks um, and, and take it from there. I mean, Dolph Ziggler's concussion, from what I've heard, is worse. But... We'll see what happens. Like I said, as of right now, um, a couple of websites are reporting that a spokesman has confirmed that he suffered a concussion. The extent is what remains to be seen. All right. So last week we were talking about May Young and how she was very ill. Uh, this week, WWE has confirmed that May Young did pass away. A lot of uh, great photos and videos were put out. Even Vince McMahon put out an awesome picture with uh, him and May Young. A uh, awesome video package was put out as well. And I'm sure we're going to see something on Monday Night Raw this week. Um, you know she she finally uh succumbed to her her illnesses, and um, it's just crazy because it's been something um something we've been talking about. I mean, she was ninety years old. Um, you know she she started wrestling in the 40s, and regardless of 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 her contributions to the sport, even even in her old age. She was part of some crazy moments, you know, the hand thing. She took a power bomb from Bubba Ray Dudley through a fucking table. And she was a senior citizen. I'm sorry, but that that that's some ballsy shit. She she you know, she's she's a senior citizen taking a power bomb through a fucking table. That that's all I'm saying. If somebody could pull up Mae Young power by Bubba Ray Dudley through a table, you you would cringe seeing that. You would cringe definitely definitely one of the the one of the toughest ladies on that roster um you know join you know she now joins the uh the fabulous Moolah, putting on four star matches in uh you know in it, it uh, among the spirits you know I'm not gonna get into any kind of religious debates um but seriously you know it, it um she had trem- so many so many great moments it, it, you know like i said, I can count. A ton of them, Chris Jericho walking in on her in the dressing room, uh, Mark Henry's hand, any other random kisses that she did with various superstars. Um, Like I said, the powerbomb through the table, just she was part of so many crazy moments. Uh, The hand hand was probably the most memorable, but still that powerbomb through the table, there's no there's no disputing that. That it just showed her boobs at the Royal Rumble. Thank you, Jay. You know, <laughs> you know showed her boobs at the Royal Rumble. I, I, I almost feel that that was a prosthetic, though, but that's always been up for debate. Everybody feels that they, that you know, she was legit topless. It was probably a prosthetic. You know, I've seen enough enough gross-out comedies to know when, when prosthetic boobs are on my screen, but whatever. Still, you know, of course, we, you know, are... My condolences go out to her family. She she lived a full life, though, 90 years old. Uh, just a lot of great memories. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of fun Monday night showing a lot of her, her crazy moments. Jay says that those were her boobs. Don't ask me how I know. Forget it. I don't even want to know. Kurt Angle will be going under the knife uh, February 11th for arthroscopic knee surgery. He will be out six to eight weeks. Uh, the surgery was supposed to happen January 21st. But it was rescheduled so he can appear on TNA's upcoming Maximum Impact European Tour. As of right now, it's expected that he will miss lockdown, but um, you know, that's that's pretty much it right now. Kurt Angle's a fucking machine. I guarantee you he'll get arthroscopic surgery on February eleventh, and he'll be back in the ring a week later because he's just a fucking lunatic. But um this is this is a big blow for TNA. I mean, TNA hasn't exactly been uh, running on all cylinders and not having Kurt Angle on your television is is a big problem just because he he has great matches with every opponent he's got just saying it's uh you know it's 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 pretty big news in my opinion the uh w w e Hall of fame ceremony which usually is is played the night before. Raw or right before WrestleMania looks like it may be live on the WWE network. So that's actually going to be pretty cool. Depending on how things go with USA, Uh, usually the USA airs the hall of fame special on the Tuesday after the ceremony. That's the way it's been done, but it would kind of be cool to watch the ceremony live only because when it's aired on USA, they edit out a lot of stuff. It'd be cool to watch it live on the network from start to finish, seeing all the speeches, all that great stuff instead of it, Instead of it being one or two guys that they show on USA, I'd like to watch the entire thing from start to finish. I think that they could do a lot of cool stuff with that, maybe do like a red carpet carpet pre-show, the Hall of Fame ceremony itself. I think it'd be cool if they gave that live. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks, if it is going to be on USA or if it's going to be aired on the network, but I would definitely watch it if they aired the entire thing on the network. AJ is going into the record books as she has now topped Maurice's 212 day reign as the longest running Divas champion to date. So there you go. Very, very interesting that she now holds such a huge accolade considering that it's rarely defended. Congratulations on having the longest title reign for a belt you hardly defend. Nice work. No disrespect to AJ, but it's like, all right. That's the equivalent of being champion of holding doors open. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. Like, oh, look, I held doors for 150 people this month. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares that she's the longest reigning women's champion because the belt doesn't get defended. She doesn't even have competition. Jay says that she is the CM Punk of her gender. That's all well and good, but at least CM Punk defended his belt. Who the fuck is she defended her belt against lately? It almost feels like it rarely gets defended. Just saying. So, it wouldn't be WrestleMania season without a the usual Sting rumors, of course. Once again, they're saying that WWE is trying to get Sting to sign with the company. Uh, right now, they're saying that Sting hasn't renewed his TNA contract as of yet. And that whatever dates he's going to do with TNA are going to be part of a farewell tour. And that he will sign with the WWE. Once again... If the WWE signs Sting, you're probably gonna get a Hall of Fame induction, maybe one match to kind of get him a match in the WWE, and that's gonna be it. Obviously, the smart money would be bring in Sting, have his match with the Undertaker, put him in the Hall of Fame and be done, but obviously I don't think that's something they'd be able to pull off right now. I mean it'd be huge. Imagine that. You sign Sting, you set him up for the match with Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. That would be that would be huge. People would tune in for that. I mean, it's it's crazy, but at least it's something that, that people would, would get some interest. And it would get Sting into the Hall of Fame as well. But, as usual, every year WrestleMania comes and goes. And every year there's rumors that Sting is going to be in the Hall of Fame. It, it doesn't matter. There you go. Quark says, Sting and Taker retire each other. The world marks out. It's true. I mean, that, that would be a, a solid match. I wouldn't mind that. But, again, that's it. Sting comes in. Announced for the Hall of Fame. Maybe a couple of matches on different episodes of Raw. Calls out The Undertaker. Deadman comes out. I accept your challenge. Blah. That's it. We get our match. Boom. End of story. Like I said, every year WrestleMania comes and goes. Every year Sting is rumored to be signing. Until I see him in the rafters or we get some crazy Sting music and he comes out. It's it's just rumors and speculation at this point. Anyway. That's going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment. Let's get into some gaming news. We got some MPD numbers to discuss along with this week's gaming news as well. So, I I usually don't read gaming news from this particular website but one of the sites uh, you know being a horror fan that i like to read is shock till you drop and they actually put out an article about the newest uh, castlevania game which is going to be lords of shadow 2 and the funny thing is lords of shadow 2 is going to be released on current gen consoles now a lot of people have been saying you know why doesn't a game of that magnitude of that of such a storied franchise get released on next generation consoles well according to what's been said in the article i read The reason that it's not being released on next generation consoles is because there had to be concessions that were made in order to get the project done. Another reason is that the production company felt that the story would suffer by having it split on two consoles. I really don't understand the logic in that. When you have brand new hardware that can make your game look better, why wouldn't you want it on next gen systems? Don't get me wrong, there's still a shelf life in PlayStation 4 and Xbox 360, but you got next-gen consoles that have brand-new, more powerful architecture at their disposal to give you a better game. So, why not do it? It's weird, though, because it's been said that this is going to be Mercury Mercury Steam's last game in the series. So, once this is done, who knows? No more Castlevania for the time being. It's unfortunate. Um, you know, it's, um, it's weird because, you know, Quark says... Uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow 1 was the worst Castlevania game in a hot minute. Graphics over gameplay. You know what it is and and I can understand that cuz I remember I played I played a little bit of Lords of Shadow and it didn't it didn't really it didn't get my attention. It felt like I was playing Dante's Inferno just with, you know, characters from Castlevania. Um My favorite Castlevania is always going to be Symphony of the Night. Love that game. Symphony of the Night was probably one of the best Castlevania games I played on, you know, a newer console, so to speak. Um The, the thing is that when you're taking a, a series like this and you're it's Lord, you know, Lords of Shadow, whatever it is, it's it's being viewed as the you know the next the next stage of the story. So why not use the architecture available to you to deliver something better? Now, sure, graphics over gameplay. I disagree completely. It's true. It, it, it's like if a game looks pretty and plays like shit, it doesn't matter. But I'm just saying that if you've improved the gameplay, why not just take advantage of the new hardware anyway? There, the problem is that with the Castlevania series, it's always a question of going back to the well and using characters we already know. Like Alucard's use in um, you know Symphony of the Night was tremendous. And it was... It's such a such a great game, and a lot of people feel that it's you know so dated, but it's probably one of the best Castlevania games I've played, um, besides the DS games like Quark mentioned. But Symphony of the Night, it's hard to capture that on a console. I think that the necessity to try and bring it into this this brand new presentation kind of kind of I want to say it kind of gave people a, a sour taste on the series. I, I would have liked to have seen it on a new console. I'm sure I'll probably rent it. But Castlevania, in order for it to be effective, you got to kind of go back to basics and borrow elements from the DS games and from Symphony of the Night, from the from the games that really made that series stand out. I mean, Lords of Shadow, it is what it is. But it, to to go back to what Quark said, it was it was very pretty, but the gameplay just wasn't as good as it should have been. For those of you that are playing Call of Duty: Ghosts, get ready to bag yourself some brand new DLC, which is Onslaught. That's coming out for Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty and Xbox One on January Twenty-Eighth. Um, of course, Xbox users will be getting it first, and um, you're going to get brand new maps, including Fog, Bayview, Containment, and Ignition. Uh, the DLC is also con- going to contain the uh, Maverick AR and sniper rifles, as well as the four episode, uh, the first p- the first episode of a four part. Offering for the game's extinction mode. So if you're into Call of Duty and you're waiting for the DLC, mark January 28th on your calendar. So Eurogamer actually published an interesting report saying that Diablo 3 is listed for Xbox One by uh, Best Buy in Canada. I don't know if um that's going to happen. A Blizzard spokesperson said nothing is confirmed as of yet, but the company does have hopes to release the game on as many platforms as possible. One of our goals to bring is to bring Diablo 3 to as many players as possible, but we don't have any other platform announcements to share at this time. Diablo 3 was actually very well received on home consoles. I think the jump to next gen while it, while it's going while it would be welcomed I think would kind of cannibalize any successes that the game can continue to have on the current generation. The The PS4 version of the game will be released with the game's Reaper of Souls expansion pack in March. But Xbox right now, it hasn't been confirmed. But if you are looking to pick up Diablo 3 and would like to check it out on the PS4, you can pick it up in March with the Reaper of Souls expansion pack. Last week, we talked about the demise of MLB 2K and pretty much the death of uh, baseball on multiple consoles with pretty much Sony being the only company to put out a baseball game. Well, it turns out that Major League Baseball announced that they will be bringing back RBI Baseball. How crazy is that? RBI Baseball 14 is being developed by uh, MLB AM and is going to be released across current and next generation platforms later this spring. For those of you that don't remember, the RBI Baseball Series began in the 80s and appeared on the NES. The last title that came out was RBI Baseball 95, and that was on the Sega 32X in 1995. Of course, this news is coming after 2K's license for MLB pretty much expired, and they decided to not do any other baseball games. I'm curious to see what RBI Baseball is going to look like. And what they plan on doing since it's going to be released not only on current-gen, but next-gen consoles as well. HBO Go fans that have PlayStation consoles should be happy to hear that they will be getting uh, HBO Go on the PlayStation very soon. Um, Sony's VP of Business Development said that you can expect it on the PS3 with the PS4 version to follow. So, very interesting. Um, Of course the hbo go app will not be locked behind it won't be locked behind a paywall like xbox one does where you know you have to have xbox live gold to be able to use all those services as of right now hbo go will be available in the standard playstation offering so if you have a ps3 or a ps4 and are looking forward to hbo go rest assured you do not have to wait very long So the MPD numbers for the month of December came out and, uh, very interesting statistics, and I'm sure it's going to get a lot of people in the chat talking. Um, the following is going to probably trip out a lot of you. The Xbox one was the best selling console for the month of December selling more than 908,000 units in this, in its second month on the market. Of course, Microsoft made sure to put those numbers out publicly. Uh, PlayStation 4 remains the cumulative leader for next-generation console sales in the U.S. since its launch on November 15th. Both console platforms, of course, trail behind the Nintendo 3DS, which according to Nintendo was the best-selling video game system for the month. It was also the best-selling system for the year, bringing the 3DS total U.S. install base to more than 11.5 million units. Obviously, Nintendo released some of their cumulative sales data, including Pokemon X selling 1.6 million units, Pokemon Y selling 1.5 million units, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon 1.2 million units, and Animal Crossing New Leaf 1 million units. So there you have it. While each of these companies are acknowledging that they were the number one selling console at the end of the day, the 3DS is the one that can sit back and have the last laugh, not only selling the most units, but also being the best-selling system for the year. Obviously, Nintendo made sure to only put out their stats for the 3DS, and they did not provide sales numbers for the Wii U. So, make of that, take that for what it's worth. Microsoft also had to not only sell Xbox 1 consoles but they also had a very very solid showing selling Xbox 360 consoles selling 643,000 units um combined the two Xbox platforms brought in more than 1.3 billion dollars in revenue during the month of December because if you couldn't find an Xbox 1, an Xbox 360 would do just as well. Of course, we're not only going to talk about the consoles but let's talk about the games that sold in December as well. Obviously, um, titles that you know are going to be included are Call of Duty Ghosts, Battlefield 4, Just Dance 2014, Madden NFL 25, NBA 2K14, Assassin's Creed 4, GTA 5, LEGO Marvel Super Heroes, FIFA 14, and Skylanders Swap Force. Now, of course, these were the top 10 selling titles for December, but we got to take into consideration the fact that a lot of the, con- the games on this list were heavily, heavily discounted for the duration of the holiday season. We all know that every week during the month of November and December, one, two, three, or sometimes all of the titles on that list were on sale either for half price or significantly below standard MSRP. So while, yeah, it's, it's obvious that Call of Duty Ghosts is, is a top-selling game, of course the game's gonna sell a lot when you're selling it for thirty dollars. Same thing applies to Madden NFL twenty five, same thing applies to Assassin's Creed four, which I actually bought on Black Friday for twenty five dollars. So, you know, these are these are things to consider for the titles that are on there. Not to take anything away from them, but the fact that they did have uh sizable discounts to really get them out there. You know, it's 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 crazy because You know, everybody's looking at all these titles, and you know, it's the the thing that gets me is that all the titles that were mentioned on this list are all multi-platform titles. There's not a a, an Xbox One or PlayStation Four specific title on there. On the contrary, when you break it down, every one of these games, with the exception of GTA V, which was, um, you know, current generation, was every other game was pretty much available on a next-gen platform. Even when you look at the top 10 games for the entire year, GTA 5 was number one, Call of Duty Ghost was number two, Madden NFL 25 was number three, Battlefield 4 was number four, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag was number five, NBA 2K14 was six, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 was seven, Just Dance 2014 was eight, Minecraft was nine, and Disney Infinity was ten. Of course, like I said, there's a lot of things to consider, including its the game's availability on multiple consoles. But overall, while, while both systems sold a lot, none of their first-party titles made a dent in the MPD numbers. Not Rise, not Knack, none of these titles. Everybody talks about who, who won the console wars. It doesn't really matter who won, because even though Xbox One sold 908,000 units in the month of December... Much like Quark said in the chat, you can still find Xbox Ones all the way up to Christmas Eve. I walked into Target on Christmas Eve, and and if you looked at the display case, they had consoles for sale for Xbox One. The console you can't find is the PlayStation 4. Still, still tough to find, but Xbox Ones, I can walk into any store right now and pick one up. And it's true, Quark says the 3DS One. The 3DS pretty much had the better showing. In terms of next-gen sales, yes, Xbox can say, we sold more. But you only sold more because it was just there. A lot of people weren't too comfortable spending $500. I'm curious to know how much the Wii U sold, because the Wii U, right before the year ended, had a couple of decent titles that came out. I mean, that that Mario Brothers game was, was fucking fantastic. So... Again, I'm shocked that there wasn't any any, any numbers released for that, but I will say kudos to Nintendo for the 3DS kicking ass because it's a great system and there's a lot of great games on it. Simple as that. All right. That actually is going to wrap up this week's gaming news. Um, I want to get into the entertainment segment. Uh, Quark is saying Wii U's are harder to find than Xbox.
0: Uh,
2: that depends. That depends. I, I do have to give probably the week before Christmas, I didn't see a lot of Wii Us on the shelves. I I will say that. I did not see a lot of them. I did see Xbox Ones. Now, now that the holidays are over, you still can't get PlayStation 4s in my neighborhood in most stores. Most stores do not have it. So just just something to keep in mind. i I'm, I'm really I really would like to see Nintendo succeed. Hopefully they keep putting out some really solid titles on the Wii U as for Xbox one and PlayStation four. I plan on picking those up eventually. Um, you know, I know slick picked up a PS four and he shared his thoughts on it. You can check out some of the articles about the PS four on my take radio.com. Uh, Quark says that the real loser is the Vita sad, but very true. All right, let's go into the entertainment side of things and take it home for this week. Shall we? So entertainment news this week had a lot going on, including, of course, Oscar nominations, which uh, definitely had a lot of people talking this week. But let's get it rolling with a uh, a bit of what the fuck movie news. And that involves the Naked Gun reboot. Everybody that thought I was joking when I talked about this, rest assured, it is happening. Uh, Crave online said that the Naked Gun reboot is being considered a sequel to the Naked Gun stories. That's pretty much what they're saying that the, the um, uh, Ben Garant uh, said that the project will be more of a remake that uh, will be more of a remake than a sequel. But it's kind of tied into the existing naked gun mythology. I don't understand. They plan on doing it. He said uh, right now we're calling it episode four. That will change. But that's the wor- that's the working title. Our take is that Ed Helms is Frank Drebin. No relation to Leslie Nielsen's Frank Drebin. But that's how he introduces himself. Again, I really feel that a Naked Gun reboot of any sort or sequel of any sort is just not needed. I think the late Leslie Nielsen did such a great job with the Frank Drebin character. And I'm sorry, but Ed Helms is not fucking funny. I think, I think a cat taking a shit in a litter box is funnier than Ed Helms. Ed Helms is dog shit. He wasn't funny on The Office. He wasn't funny in The Hangover. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He is a fucking hack. He stinks. Not fucking funny at all. So last week and over the last couple of shows, we were talking about Jason Momoa being considered for a role in Batman versus Superman. It seems, and IGN confirmed this, that that is not the case. Turns out he said, and I quote, um, maybe I told someone that it would be awesome for me to be in that movie. And that's how it started. But it's just a rumor when asked about his potential role to guard for guardians of the galaxy that he lost to Batista. He said, I mean, you audition for things, pretty much that was it. He really didn't, he didn't elaborate too much on it. It's unfortunate, Jason Momoa was a decent actor. I, I felt that his his work in Conan wasn't that great, but his work as Khal Drogo in Game of Thrones was was very, very good. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that he that he can't get ahead in Hollywood because he definitely has the look. But right now he's got a new project coming out called The Red Road, which you'll probably be able to see at the Sundance Film Festival. Um, The Red Road will be debuting uh, February 27th at 9 p.m. on the Sundance channel. You'll be able to check that out there if you want to see what the deal is. He also um, debuted as a director with with a film called The Road to Paloma, which will be coming out this year. Those of you that are fans of Mad Men or Breaking Bad, mark these dates on your calendar. The final season of Mad Men will be on screen April 13th at 10 p.m. That will be the end of Mad Men on AMC. And of course, the Breaking Bad prequel, Better Call Saul, will be debuting in October along with the fifth season of The Walking Dead. So if you are counting down the days for Better Call Saul, mark October down as the month to keep an eye on. Definitely pumped for that, especially because I came into Breaking Bad a little late. I've pretty much binge-watched the uh, you know I you I I've been binge watching the entire season, so I am pretty much on the fifth season. I got a handful of episodes left, and very pumped for Better Call Saul. I think um, Bob Odenkirk is going to kill it, and hopefully we'll see a a little bit of Mike Erman Trout in there. Mike is such an awesome character on Breaking Bad, and I hope that we can see him in the Better Call Saul series. Hollywood Reporter put out the latest round of Star Wars casting news, and as usual. The Star Wars rumors have been varied for the last couple of months. As of right now, it looks like they're looking at um Michael Fassbender, also Hugo Weaving for roles in the film, um cast member from Girls Adam Driver. They're also talking about um looking at uh what the hell's the guy? Uh Jesse Plemons from from Breaking Bad. So many different people have been talked about for the upcoming Star Wars films. It's to the point where if I report on it, just take every rumor with a grain of salt. As for Michael Fassbender, he's such a, a talented actor. Throwing him into the Star Wars universe would be very cool. And Hugo Weaving, he's got to play some sort of a villain. That's all he's ever good for. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's he's good in Lord of the Rings. He's you know he's good in those films, but he he's he's a bad guy. You look at him automatically and you see bad guy. So we'll see what happens in the. Coming weeks and coming months with regards to Star Wars Episode 7, of course, whatever news I get, I will be sharing with you guys. Box office totals for this weekend, it should come as no shock, especially with all the positive reviews I've been hearing about it. Lone Survivor was number one at the box office, earning $38.5 million. Frozen was number two, bringing in fifteen point one, million, and its grand total is now at three hundred and seventeen. million. 0.7 million dollars. The Wolf on Wall Street was number 3, The Legend of Hercules a complete dud was number 4, American Hustle was 5, The Hobbit Desolation of Smog was 6, August Osage County was uh number 7, Saving Mr Banks was 8, Paranormal Activity The Marked Ones was number 9. Uh, it's earned 6.3 million dollars bringing its total to 28.5. The movie cost pretty much a dollar to make. So no big deal there. Anchorman, the legend continues, Rob wraps up the top 10, $6.1 million, $118.5 million total. As I mentioned, for those of you that are breaking bad fans and are watching it on Netflix, please note that the final season is not complete. Got to make sure you guys know that. Uh, the, the last eight episodes of breaking bad will be on Netflix next month. They will be hitting the service February 24th. Mark that on your calendars. If you're like me and getting into Breaking Bad late, note that the season is incomplete. The last eight episodes will be available February 24th. Got to talk about some comic movies. Of course, it should come as no shocker. Um, The Gotham TV series that is scheduled to air on Fox following uh, the origins of Jim Gordon and some of the classic Batman villains will also focus on the origins of Of Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. So pretty much the show is going to track Bruce Wayne as a child around 12 years old. All the way to him becoming Batman in the finale. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with origins and stories involving the Riddler, Catwoman, and Penguin. Who have been mentioned within the last couple of weeks. I'm also curious about the casting for Jim Gordon. Because Donald Logue has been mentioned as a potential candidate. Um, He dismissed that rumor and then the the tweet was deleted I'm curious also to see how this, if, if at all, will relate to the Batman films or Batman's involvement in the Batman versus Superman film. So we'll see if that all exists in the same universe or not. And some really, really crazy news. They're actually going to be bringing Magic the Gathering to the big screen. I haven't, I haven't been involved with Magic the Gathering since, wow, since I was about 17 or 18, of course, the card game dropped in 1993. I was 13 when it came out. Um, they plan on pretty much uh, releasing it through 20th Century Fox, and it's being written by Simon Kinberg, who did X-Men First Class, and uh, Josh Feldman and Adia Sood will be serving as executive producers. I'm curious to see how, they, how they're how they even planning on, on bringing that to the big screen, considering there's so many different levels and... And demons and monsters and different aspects of storytelling that you could even do, Cork says that shit ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Just saying, it's it's weird because if you would have told me we're gonna do a movie about Magic the Gathering in 1998 or 99, I would have I would have definitely said yeah that's a good idea. In 2014, who who's still playing Magic like that? I mean, I, I actually. Played the game, the Magic game that was on Xbox Live Arcade a couple of months back, and I forgot how time-consuming it was. That's how, that's how far back we're going. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I'm like, now I remember why I hated playing this shit. Um, Quark says that half his school plays Magic. Really? Are they, do they still, Quark, maybe you can answer this. Are they? Do they still sell decks and, and new cards for that, or are they playing with older decks and cards? I'm curious. Because, like I said, oh <laughs> fucking asshole! <laughs> Seriously, it's it's. I find it. I find it so random that you're going to do a movie about a property that hasn't been relevant in in years. Uh, see, not half is school. There's a lot of people, like a hundred plus. But you didn't answer my question. Are they are? Do they still sell cards or or decks? Like, how are people how are people playing this with old cards? I'm, I'm definitely curious because i like I said, I haven't heard about magic being mainstream in fucking years ah yes, okay thank you i the way I see it with with something like this it's it's probably too late in the game, and not for nothing, they're already working on a on a world of Warcraft movie as well and to to do something with with magic and then have World of Warcraft it feels like too much of the same thing um Quark said with regards to the to the magic game, the local target still gets sold out, sold out of the newest shit at times. Well, I guess it's still pretty popular. In some small screen news to keep with the uh DC theme of Gotham, it looks like Constantine's Pilot will be getting the green light. Deadline reports that NBC has ordered the pilot. Of course, it was written by David S. Goyer and Daniel Cerrone, who did The Mentalist and it's going to be it's believed to focus on more of the family of the family-oriented take that they're using in the DC's uh, New 52 series, of course, the the character is an Alan Moore creation, which pretty much appeared in Swamp Thing. Then um, he's had his own series throughout the years. He did that one movie. there was that one Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves, which was pretty solid. I actually enjoyed that film, and it looks like we may also be seeing him in Guillermo del Toro's Justice League Dark. I'm curious to see if the Justice League Dark um, incarnation is going to be the same incarnation or going to borrow elements from the incarnation being used on the small screen. So, Constantine is 100% greenlit, and you'll be able to catch that on NBC in the near future. In some Marvel casting news, Michael Douglas has been confirmed to be playing Hank Pym in Marvel Studios. Ant-Man, of course, Paul Rudd will be playing the character of Scott Lang, who is the alter ego of Ant-Man. Now, for those of you familiar with the Marvel mythology and Ant-Man's history, uh, Hank Pym is the guy that pretty much everybody associates with Ant-Man. Now, in the books, Scott Lang is a, is a criminal that ends up taking the costume and ends up becoming a hero after Hank Pym pretty much kind of helps him along, so to speak, to become a better character. Uh, the, the funny thing is, Scott Lang's character... Uh, became a criminal through very, you know, unfortunate circumstances. It wasn't like he wanted to lead a life of crime, but um, he stole the Hankman the um, the Ant Man costume, and pretty much he was trying to do stuff to help his daughter who was ill. I'm sure that that may be the storyline they're going to go with. Of course, they're still casting for Ant Man. Ninety seconds. There goes the English lady uh, saying that we have ninety seconds on the Blog Talk Radio feed. If you want to continue listening to the show live, make sure to tune in on the Mixler feed on mtrlive.com, or you can continue watching on gfqlive.tv. Again, this Blog Talk Radio feed will go offline at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But continue listening live on Mixler, mtrlive.com, or or gfqlive.tv. So there you go, 60 seconds. Anyway... As I said, my my thoughts on the Ant Man film as a whole are still Yeah, they're still they're still fifty fifty. I think the, the the actors that they're getting involved are pretty cool, but I just feel that the Ant Man character still lacks a lot of um I wanna say a lot of substance for the big screen. If anything, straight to video, uh maybe a Netflix series, something like that, but a complete dedicated film about a guy who shrinks. And talks to ants with his weird helmet. Eh, not so much. Now, if you're gonna use that as as a as a gap between some of the other Marvel movies, okay. But I just I just have trouble with um, ten seconds. Ten seconds, guys. Ten seconds. I just have issues with um, Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym with Paul Rudd playing Scott Lang. Not because the the Scotland character is no good, but just because there's so much more to the Hank Pym character that can be done, there's so much there's so much detail and and deep storytelling that's involved. I mean, you know, the creation of the Pym particles, uh, the creation of Ultron, which in Avengers: Age of Ultron, I think is going to be handled by Tony Stark. Uh, we're also, you know, his relationship with Wasp. Uh, tons of stuff you could do with Hank Pym. I'm sure they may touch on that, but. In terms of trying to keep it family-friendly, I think it's obvious that the Scott Lang route is a a better way to go. In some other Marvel casting news, a big rumor that's been true, not true, kind of been bounced around a lot, is the rumor of Johnny Depp meeting with Marvel executives for the role of Doctor Strange. Uh, The Hollywood Reporter denied, uh, pretty much dismissed the story that Latino Review had put out, saying that Marvel is looking for Johnny Depp to play the character... Um, pretty, uh, Boris Kitt from the Hollywood Reporter said that Marvel has denied any meetings happening between them and Johnny Depp for Dr. Strange. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's a rumor mill and a, and a thing of who struck first. Uh, the Dr. Strange character is a character that they're looking for the stage three of the Marvel stories. Do you, do you want to do somebody like Johnny Depp who's in such high demand? And do you think that Johnny Depp is going to even do the role justice? It remains to be seen. Me personally there's you know Johnny Depp has been used so much by Disney that for for him to commit to something like Doctor Strange and be involved in all the other aspects of the Marvel movies I don't know how well that's going to work how that's going to work I mean Johnny Depp plays really weird unique and quirky characters but Doctor Strange he has an has an you know an aura of of seriousness about him that you got to kind of respect because he's probably the leading authority on magic in the Marvel universe and he's got different layers when it comes to his villains and different layers when it comes to his involvement in the marvel stories not not to mention his relationship with the illuminati which of course you can use for planet hulk and world war hulk so you got to have a guy that's ready to commit to not a not just a handful of movies but also appear throughout the rest of the current marvel cinematic universe that exists so very interesting i don't know how much weight you can put in Johnny Depp's involvement, but he's pretty much been the buzzword the last week or so. In some unnecessary sequel news, we are not only going to get another Avatar sequel, but we are going to be getting three. Zoe Zaldana and Sam Worthington have signed on for three Avatar sequels that will begin production later this year. Of course, with James Cameron directing, of course, Avatar... It's pretty much a love-hate film among our listeners and our viewers. Some people think that it's an amazing story. Other people think that it's pretty much Ferngully, um, the live-action version. Me, I'm of the school of thought that it's, it was a great representation of 3D, um, done the right way. It pretty much ushered in a, a new era of 3D films. But other than that, the film was 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 solid. It, it wasn't life-altering. It wasn't a amazing cinematic masterpiece. It was just... It was just okay. That's what it was. It wasn't. It wasn't a a life changing film. It was. It was all right. You know. It was. It was what it was. Now, does it need three sequels? I personally think it's bullshit that you even want to go further than two. But the fact that there's going to be four films total, how much storytelling can you can you have with with the Navi? I mean, not to say that that James Cameron is a is a is a hack in any shape way or form. But do you think that you're going to be able to drag out these stories and get the same amount of people in the theater and the same amount of money with three sequels? We're not talking Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. You know, this is a brand new universe that you established with the one film. You got to remember, The Matrix did the same thing. And then as the sequels came out, people just fell out of love with the series. I think Avatar is going to go the same way because I don't think there's a necessity for three sequels. Maybe you could do a second one at best. Maybe a third. I mean, it's the highest grossing movie of all time, earning $2.8 billion. It's also the top selling Blu-ray of all time. But still, do we need three sequels? Not so much. For those of you that are fans of the 1966 Adam West Batman TV series and would like to own it. You can be very, I personally am very happy to report That you can pick up this series later on this year. The series which ran from 1966 to 1968. Will be released as a box set in 2014. I'm actually tempted to pick it up. Just from a a campy quirky standpoint. Because if you were a kid growing up. your, your, Your introduction to Batman was either. The Super Friends cartoon. The 1990 Batman animated series. The Michael Keaton Batman. For me. One of my earliest introductions to Batman was the reruns of the 1966 episode, the 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 66 Batman. They were campy, they were quirky, but they were one of my first introductions to the series. I mean, I remember seeing old old like uh, reruns of Scooby Doo meeting Batman, which whatever, they they were okay. But like my first legitimate Batman experience was the 1966 series plus the 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 movie that went with that with um the entire Batman Rogues Gallery turning the uh the UN representatives into powder that was it was the most hokey and hacky shit ever but it worked and it was one of my fondest memories of Batman during my childhood so I'll definitely be picking this up again it will be out in 2014 keep an eye out I don't know if it's going to be DVD only or DVD and Blu-ray but either way If you're looking forward to picking that up, it will be going down this year. A couple of weeks back, we were talking about the Wonder Woman TV series Amazon and how the CW was looking to bring that to the small screen to kind of introduce Wonder Woman to a brand new audience before seeing her on the big screen. Turns out that that has been canned completely and utterly has been put to sleep. It is now dead. Anyway, as I was saying, we got our Oscar nominations. We got to throw out there pretty much the usual suspects that you would think were going to get nominated, did get nominated, including American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, and The Wolf on Wall Street. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion about The Wolf on Wall Street being a nominee along with American Hustle only because... Those films have been viewed as more lighter fare versus films like Captain Phillips or the Dallas Buyers Club or Gravity, which, by the way, will be getting a re-release in IMAX as well. Of course, the usual uh, suspects are up for Oscars as well, including Christian Bale, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tretel, uh, uh, I'm going to mess up this guy's name, Tretel, Ejafor for uh, 12 Years a Slave, Matthew McConaughey, for uh, Dallas Buyers Club and Bruce Dern for Nebraska for best actress Amy Adams for American Hustle Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine Sandra Bullock for Gravity Judy Dench for Philomena and Meryl Streep for August Osage County. So, definitely some solid nominees there for best supporting actor of course Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips, Bradley Cooper for American Hustle, Michael Fassbender 12 Years a Slave. Jonah Hill for Wolf on Wall Street, and Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. For Best Supporting Actress, Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle, uh, Lupita Nyong for 12 Years a Slave, Julia Roberts for August Osage County, June Squibb for Nebraska, and Sally Hawkins for Blue Jasmine. Um, Quark says that Leonardo DiCaprio will be fucked and not get an Oscar. I don't know, man. It might be his year. I mean, he's he's got some good competition, though. Uh, Christian Bale in American Hustle, especially, and Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. So pretty, pretty thick, uh, the nominees this year. For Best Animated Feature, the nominees are The Croods, Despicable Me 2, Ernest and Celestine, Frozen, and The Wind Rises. So for those of you that are fans of animated features and are rooting for Frozen, I think Frozen is going to run away with it this year. We'll see if that is truly the case. All right. So to wrap things up, uh, sequel news, we were talking about despicable me, despicable me three and a brand new animated. How the Grinch stole Christmas will be coming to the big screen in 2015. So there you have it. If you are fans of despicable me, they will be doing a third sequel hitting theaters 2015, as well as a brand new, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Quark says that Frozen was God. I gotta see it. I haven't seen it yet. Shame on me. But I've heard good things. So um, hopefully I'll see it within the next week or so. I do want to see American Hustle and Wolf on Wall Street. Maybe I'll get lucky and finally get out to a theater and check those out. But if not, there's always Blu-ray releases. So there's always that. Anyway, time to wrap things up. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 211 for Thursday, January 16th. 2013 if you have any questions concerns or would like to be a guest on a future episode you can email me mtrhost at mytakeradio.com if you want to keep up with us on social media you can follow me on twitter at my Take radio become a fan on our facebook fan page follow our pins on pinterest add us to your circles on google plus and of course you can always get the full mtr experience by picking up the android ios or windows apps of My Take Radio. They are 199 for Android. You can get it in the Amazon Marketplace for iOS devices, of course, iTunes, and for Windows. You can get it from the Windows Store. And of course, you can always subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Zune Marketplace, and you can catch reruns on the GFQ network, GFQLive.tv. On behalf of myself, Andrea Slick, Quark Blade, Jay, Ben and the rest of the MTR family. I will catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. I think this week it would be fair to go out with something a little different since I've pretty much abused Bowser is King. Uh, let's go with um let's go with Sonic the Hedgehog's 2 disjointed chemical. By Air 3S, available at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org.